Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit TheReptileReport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio, and it uh, feels good to be back. Uh, yeah, I took uh, last week off. Uh, I was down in Florida. Um, 
on the uh, winter vacation, I guess you would say. And, uh, yeah, things are cool. Uh, I like listening to the show. It's always cool to uh, hear the show as an NPR viewer. A viewer. <laughs> a listener. <laughs> a viewer, than... like you saw. Eric actually is so good he sees the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I see Owen on live feed. Uh, it's on yeah. a... Uh, Constantly he does speaking, a, yeah. What Twitter periscope during the uh, NPR show? There's always a camera on me that only Eric can see. It's unfortunate for him. But it's yeah. funny because every time you leave me alone, I usually try to do something to try to see, like, you know, I want that moment where you're on the plane, like, flying back, and you're like, God damn it, Owen. Like, I want that moment where you're like, why are you no? So I was hoping to have some of those, but uh, Rob I don't know. could have a co-host. Yeah, that's yeah. I just he kinda, you kept he, saying yeah. that he was gonna take your place, and all. <laughs> he was. I mean, like, he, punched it, he punched it up clear. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was talking about adding audio tracks. I'm like, crap! I am so <laughs> out of It's only a matter of time. Yeah. I know what I need. So yeah. it's like it was just it was just fun having him on because uh, I, I always forget that Rob is like one of the true fans of the show. And is listening yeah. to everything, and will sometimes throw episodes that I've forgotten back in my face, and I'm like, "Where? Oh yeah, I did say that." So it's, <laughs> you know, it's, fun. it's always fun just having Rob around. So yeah. it was a good show. I liked it. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a controversial subject for sure, and um, definitely uh, one of those things you either love or hate. There's no sort of yep. in between, um, and uh, you know. Uh, but uh, but John and um, the one thing I did think was funny is that you called um, John Battaglia swoop when it I did. swoop. I, <laughs> I was like swoop. I really screwed that up. I don't know. <laughs> that was the only uh, moment on the oh, thing where exactly I was exactly there. It, is. <laughs> it was right there. It was that was it. Like, it was ah. the, oh God, Owen, you please. Just take your coloring book and go in the corner, you moron. It's like, yeah, if I can have that moment once or twice during a show, it's a good show. So, good yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I, I don't know how I kind of well, – I wasn't a fan of Carpondros until I went down to see Bills. I think exactly. That the, show. And that was the weird thing is that I'm not a fan of Carpondros, and you left me alone to do this show. About Carpondros. Yeah. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, do I open the show with these are things I don't really like? But it's like, you know, how do I do this? So it was it was one of those moments where I got to be like, these things are kind of cool. And I'm like, yeah. But it, it, they actually are. They're really cool looking animals. I will give them that. That, that blue one that uh, John had, it, yeah. that, that's just like every – Chondro, every green tree python's breeder's, like, dream is a blue animal like that. And the carpondros are just easier ways to get that. And they look really cool. Um, it's just the cool. So, I mean, that, that the yellow-black striped one that Bill had was, even, was very cool looking, too. So they do come out looking very interesting. So I can kind of see their appeal. But, nah, I'm, I'm, I, they don't do it for me. So... Yeah, what's strange is is that I like the ones that look more like carpet pythons. 
Well, I guess that's not of really too, too strange. Yeah, it's not really that weird. Yeah. <laughs> then more than the ones that look like chondros. Um, See, that would just be like if you're going to have an animal that looks a lot like a chondro, why not just get a chondro? Good point. It's like saying, you know what? It's like saying, you know what? I, it's, it's like saying, you know what I would really love is a duck, but I got a goose because it's kind of close. Just a goddamn duck. <laughs> and like, I'm going to breed it to a duck. I'm going to breed it to a duck. It's like stop it. Just, it, it, it. It's just the way it is. And I kind of heard the whole they were hardy, and I did actually look into them because when I was terrified of green tree pythons. But uh, Buddy Buscemi saved me from that mistake. So it's a. Uh, it's just it, they were interesting animals, so it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah. There are there are quite a number of fans out there that do like the Carpondros, and the thing I think that the reason that uh, I thought the show was important is a lot of times people will think Carpondros are morphs, um, and yeah. I want to make sure that people understood. Uh, you know, because we got a there's there's a lot of new people coming into carpets and right. a lot of new people listening right. to the show and like sometimes we take for granted that that the stuff that we take for common sense that you know other people the newbie might not know yeah right so it, it's like I've had to convince a few people that a jaguar python is not a real thing it's a jaguar carpet python it's it's not a brand new species. So, I mean, that's and that's kind of been hard to explain sometimes. Uh, I've been in those yeah. positions as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely interesting. So, tonight uh, we have uh, Charlotte Johansson. Uh, she's from Ultraviolet Reptiles. Um, she's going to be coming on and talking about the uh, her carpet pythons and projects. Uh, not only carpets, but she has some other et cetera stuff floating around. Uh, I think she keeps Kribos and King Rat Snakes and uh, a couple other uh, nice. things for sure. Uh, so we'll get her on in a minute. But um, I'm curious to know, uh, how's it going uh, for you? Things Egg over watch. at Rogue. Egg watch. I got two girls that are on the uh, egg clock right now. Okay. Uh, my red tiger female, which, honest to God, that could happen at any moment. I didn't realize her prelay shed was her prelay shed because I wasn't paying attention until I, like, palpated her. And I'm One like, smack hey, from the Eugene Facet stop! stick. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for <laughs> One that escapes me, but it's a good reason. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, I'm like, okay, so you're going into a shed, and I'm like, it's probably your pre-op, post-op, whatever the hell. And then I'm palpating her, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! You know, there's like, it's just, she's got a small clutch, but they're huge. I mean, they're they're in there and they're huge, and I'm like, all right, you're you're done. She's not sitting funky, but that female always moves, and she actually did take food. So I don't know what's going on, but she's got to be – she cannot – those follicles cannot be that big. And so I think we're done there. And then my caramel female had her pre-lay shed on Monday. So we're a couple weeks out for her, but, dude, she is so uncomfortable. She's hugging the water bowl. She's basking belly up every time I look at her. I mean, like – and she – we're looking down the barrel of, like, 30 – something eggs because that's usually what she hits on and i right. would not be surprised if she's in the high 30s this time 
Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that. Uh, um, and then the White Lips haven't killed each other, and they're cuddling. So I that's think good. that is like that's that that's win number one <laughs> for the White Lips. Right. Uh, and I have had I, I got a new Tiger male from Howard Redding because I walked into Habit of Grace Reptile Show. And I said, how you doing? He said, selling you a red tiger mail. And then I left with the red tiger mail, and I was halfway home before I realized that something had happened there and that I had purchased a red tiger mail. It was all, he's very dazzling, and he just kind of convinced me. Anyway, uh, that mail has been breeding with everything under the sun, and it's great. All those woes I had about, like, I don't have enough boys or just finished with having him because he's like, girl, I'll breed the hell out of it. So I, I think I'm looking down the barrel of a bunch of late clutches, but I'm pleased. So basically we've had confirmed locks from seven pairings. Uh, and <laughs> your pizza's here. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. to say that on air. Stop it. <laughs> My, my. <laughs> oh no, the dog! Click mute yourself. <laughs> anyway, we had we had about eight pairings that we have plausible locks from, so we're looking down the barrel of probably about eight clutches, and that doesn't include uh, the granite female that I have at Jason Balins. It doesn't include the ivory jag I have at your place. It doesn't include. The blood python that I kicked out the Matt Minotolas because it was driving me insane, or the Amazon tree boas that I don't know what the hell they're doing, or the Dominican Red Mountain boas. Basically, if by July I'm eye deep in babies, this was my own fault, and I'll be cursing Paso and for doing this to me. But loser, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the weird thing is, is it's none of the animals that I really, really wanted to breed. Like, the olive pythons are staring at each other going, eh. The maclots pythons are doing the same thing. So it's like, you know, I would have really loved to get some liasses this year, but I don't know what they're doing. Maybe the olive pythons might be still too young yet. Uh, and the max, I I'm, I don't know what's up with my boy. He's just glitches, stupid. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll – moron. So we'll see what happens. And for those of you who don't know, Eric just got a pizza delivered, and he had to mute himself because he was timing when the pizza was going to arrive and when his tiny little guard dogs were going to go crazy. So. <laughs> yeah. So my wife asked me to order a pizza. She's working, and uh, I said, okay. And I realized that it's like 8 o'clock, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, Get your fast. <laughs> I said, Owen, you know, as soon as this show starts, it's going to come, and my dogs will go crazy, and Blah blah blah. I tried to keep it uh, low key, but obviously that didn't work out. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as uh, as far as myself, um, um, yeah, I got uh, three girls. Should be lying over the. Ne- I think uh, my coastal girl is maybe two weeks out. She should lay. Um, nice tiger. Citrus Tigers, probably three weeks out, and Ocelot Jag is four weeks out, and I have another Tiger Girl bred to an albino that um, I think is going into a prelay shed. So nice. 
And I, I forgot to tell you, I forgot to mention, I may have partial IJ success this year. Partial? My, partial. My granite male is in with my coastal jag female, and they are actually starting to share a hide box together. So I don't know. Maybe. So, I might okay, have so, partial IJ success. So here's the thing. When I was away, yes. um, whenever I go away on vacation and I'm on the plane, I always look yes. for a paper to read. So I was wondering, two questions popped into my head. First question is, yes. Why does it seem that my IJs always seem to be the only carpets in my collection that develop respiratory infections? Um, I just, I don't know. They seem to be more sensitive, whatever, uh, blah, blah, blah. The other question that I had to answer is, why the hell can Owen not breed (laughs) Because there has to be a reason why. Yeah, it's not yeah. that he can't breed carpet pythons, and usually oh, IJs are the easiest to breed, so there has oh, to be a reason. <laughs> so I started reading this paper by Daniel Natouche that's uh, about IJs and such, and I was actually talk- talking to uh, uh, a group of uh, IJ enthusiasts, uh, a mm-hmm. little message thing that we got going on. I looked up right. some of the weather and such, and, uh, and you know... Um, where they're from, down in Port uh, Moresby, or in that mm-hmm. area. And <clears throat> I was going to – I'll get into more details when we do uh, the show in a couple weeks where it's just me and you. But uh, just as a little teaser, it's funny that you segued into this. Um, no, that, I did uh, not do that intentionally. So. <laughs> I know. Um, that uh, I thought that um, – like why? What would what would what would cause this? And it's funny that when you look at the temperatures, um, the mm-hmm. temperatures are pretty consistent, right? And mm-hmm. they don't really fluctuate all that much. Um, basically, you're looking at between 78 and 82. That's really about it. Um, funny thing is, is that the temperature doesn't drop at night. It drops during the yeah. day. So. Really? It got me thinking, like, am I having this problem because it's getting too cold at night? You know, of course, there's other people. Right. I realize that there's people out there that, you know, including myself, um, I really can't say 100% sure um, that my temperatures didn't drop that cold at night. Uh, I can't remember. I'd have to look at my uh, at my data from my first year. But, um you know, I know people drop them with their regular carpets, but <clears throat> there's just some things. Maybe they're 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 uh, going very early. Obviously, we know they don't need that much um, mm-hmm. of a temp drop. Um, and maybe you know there's some 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 ways to sort of get around that. Uh, it seems that they're really in tune with um, breeding during the uh, um, like the rainfall, the monsoon season. So yeah, you know. It could be that, you know, when we're getting those crazy storms really gets these guys going. Um, I don't know. I just found it interesting. We'll go more in depth, like I said, when this show coming up in a couple of weeks where it's just me and you talking carpet pythons. But uh, that was my mission. Cool. And I think uh, I might have some info for you so you can put to bed the I can't breed IJs <laughs> memes <laughs> that go around every year. 
<laughs> oh, I don't. They, I don't care anymore. They can. Yeah. They can say all they want. Somebody said that uh, they talked to a psychic and that uh, if I come to the Southern Carpet Fest, I'll be able to breed IJs this year. So. <laughs> oh my God. Hit rock bottom. Yeah. So. What's funny is is that. Uh, they're enticing you with pictures of rough scales and jaguars breeding together. Um, when the hell was that happening? Where was that happening? Oh, Morelia! I missed that. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I will set. I will set that place on fire. Um, yeah. There's. God, I don't even want to look. Anyway, but you and I are going to discuss that possibility of going down there Friday. Yeah. Because you and I got to meet up. So. Yep. Um, yeah, real quick, yep. before we get Charlotte on here and get going, I uh, just want to make sure we give the shout-out. Southern Carpet Fest is April 30th. Um, it's down in uh, Texas, and Bill is the host again. Um, and he's looking, I heard him say on the show, he's saying maybe 100 people coming. Um, I don't doubt that, you know, because last year, as quickly as they threw that together, um, they had, man, I want to say there's probably at least 40 to 50 people there. Um, they, they have, uh, <clears throat> chondro people, ball python people, uh, you know, just, I remember talking to the one guy, Ezra, he keeps venomous. I think he has a couple carpets, but for the most part, he's a venomous guy. Um, I don't know. It was just cool hanging out with those guys down there. Um, so if you definitely can... Um, take the time off of work and make the trip down there. Um, it's a couple hundred bucks for a for a plane ticket. Go down for the day, hang out. You know, it's it's well worth it. I think. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> April thirtieth. If you have any questions, uh, you can get in touch with uh, Evan Browder or uh, Bill uh, Stiegel. Um, either one of those guys will be able to uh, give you further information on that so cool all right uh let's get this party rolling um and i hope this is her i hope so too we got two people there hey hey charlotte is that you hello it is me hey how's it going it's going pretty good i've got a clutch in the incubator right now and uh patiently or impatiently awaiting the possibility of two more um but other than that, uh, a little under the weather at the moment, but I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It's what we do. So that's cool that the incubator's getting fired up. Um, what you got? What are you putting in there? Or is it? Right now, I have just a jungle clutch. It's a repeat from last year. It's my uh, Shewitt line male with a CVR female. Nice. Okay. Cool. Well, yep. eggs are always a good thing. So, eggs are a good thing. <laughs> eggs are a great thing. Eric doesn't like eggs. Um, but that's Eric. Um, so, real quick, Charlotte, uh, why don't you tell us what got you into carp pythons, uh, what got you into carp pythons, and what got you into reptiles in general? Okay. Um, well... What got me into reptiles in the first place, I've always been an animal lover. I've had animals mm-hmm. since before I can remember. I've never in my life lived without a dog. Um, had cats. Uh, growing up, my parents were really good about 
find me with pets that I wanted. I had birds, small animals. I've kept fish for 20 years. Um, I had a lot of things and uh, got to a point in my life where I wanted something different. And at the time, I was working at a pet store and uh, started researching bearded dragons and thought, you know, hey, this is interesting, something new, something I've never done before, and wanted to get into that. So I did. I uh, did my research. I set up my my, uh, terrarium forum and went to a reptile show and talked to a breeder and picked out my first bearded dragon, and that was it. Um, I was just fascinated by reptiles in general. And uh, after that, bought... A ball python was my next, uh, my first snake, next reptile, and that was it. It spiraled and snowballed from there. So what led to Morelia? um, Well, okay. When I first got into reptiles, and this was like in 2000, 2001, around there, Uh um, I kind of bought whatever I could get my hands on. You know, it started (laughs) off with a wild-caught ball python was the first thing, which I learned that lesson. Uh, then it turned into red tail boas and corn snakes and king snakes and rat snakes. I mean, you name it, I, I had a whole bunch of things. Um, and so I did end up getting a pair of jungles in 2002 from Will Leary. I actually still have ah. my big male is sitting behind me right now um, that I got from him. Bought as a female. That was fun, finding out that it was oh, male. Oh, no. Yeah, I cried. Yeah. Um, But I bought the pair. I bought a male from Will that was a Gordon Shua animal. And this was in 2002, supposedly. Now, back back then, I did not care about lineage. I didn't really, you know, I I was like, you know, who's Shua? What is that? I don't really care. It's a pretty snake. So I bought it, and then I bought an Adam and Eve female, which I believe is, Uh I think it's like Larry Blackline. Uh, I think where that kind of originated from. I'm not sure on that, but... Anyway, so I had them for a while, and I had these other snakes, but what really got me into carpets was retics, actually. Um, really? Yes. <laughs> I had retics, and I loved my retics. And they were like my babies. And I actually only had two. I say it like I had a whole bunch of them. Um, I had a tiger, and then I had a normal, and raised them up so they got real big. And I think I sold the tiger just because, you know, they're they're huge. They're massive animals. And mm-hmm. I sold the tiger, and I think I traded it for something. But I loved my normal, and um, he was my baby, and I got him to about 15, 16 feet. Oh, and my God. Yes, he was huge. I mean, it took multiple people to handle him. He was just a sweetheart. He was a very docile snake, but he had his moments, and you always stayed away from him when he did. Um, but I loved this animal so much. And, you know, it was in this huge cage that took up my entire reptile room pretty much, and um, I don't remember if it's when I started to have my, my first kid, but I reached a moment in my life where I was like, I really can't care for this animal. You know, they, they belong in zoos, in my opinion, you know, or, or just someone who maybe is more qualified. He, I'm feeding him rabbits. He had this custom enclosure with a food door because you don't want them to associate, oh. you know, the food with the front right. doors. Um, and I just reached a point where I was like, I... I can't really keep them anymore and it broke my heart and trying to make this uh, a short story but I found a guy who set up exhibits for zoos I Ernie I think was his name I cannot remember his last name to save my life but uh-huh. I got a lot of references for him and I contacted him because I didn't want to sell him and I there was no way I could ship him you know um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
I, I met up with this guy, and he offered to take them, and I drove my retic out to his place, and he had these green anacondas and berms and all kinds of stories, and, you know, it was really neat seeing his place, and I, I gave him my retic, and it broke my heart. Um, I remember mm. crying the whole way home and was just shattered, and so after I parted with my, my retic, I was very sad, and I needed to fill the hole and was online one day and saw that Anthony Caponetto posted a photo of a 75% diamond jungle. Wow. And that photo okay. was just made me like, wow, you know, what what a beautiful animal. Um, the, what, you know, great size. And, you know, I already had a, a couple jungles, and I um, was just like, this is, this is what I want. You know, this is what I'm going to get into now because I need something. I'm so sad. I can't keep her ticks. Um, especially not just in my tiny house and no. So I contacted Anthony and Anthony put me in touch with Will Bird because Will is who, who produced it. And I got a 75 diamond jungle from him. That led to down the road I got a 25% diamond uh, jag from Will. And Will's been my buddy for a long time. I love Will Bird. I think he's great. And I have a lot mm-hmm. of animals. Um, and so that's kind of it. That's really what made me like, I really want to work with these. So... I got on the carpets, and carpets just kind of took over everything. <laughs> Slowly but surely, everything went. You know, first it was the rainbow boas. I kept rainbow boas for a while. Um, and then the Asian rat snakes. I love those. I want to get back into those. I kind of let those go. Um, but everything kind of went, and then it just became all carpets. <laughs> no green trees okay. yet. Uh, okay. All right. That's... But but the carpet answers yeah. that question. Um, <laughs> how big's the collection? If it's like massive and full of carpet python, it is not. Um, right now it's not. Oh. Now I I've had yeah. Now I used to have more. Um, I had earring dyes. Okay. I had a I had a couple granites. Um, brettles. I produced brettles, and I loved my tiger line. I had a uh, high contrast female tiger from Anthony. And uh, I had a jag, and I produced some really nice, beautiful tigers. In fact, I kind of miss miss that group. Um, a lot of people have some. At least I think they still have them. I, I don't know. I haven't heard in a while. But um, I know Julie had got one. Uh, Solana had got one. And um, quite a few people got, got some of the, the tigers, and they were really nice. But a couple years ago, at least I think it was. It might have been last year. I don't know. I'm really bad with the whole timeline mm-hmm. thing. But I really, really wanted to focus on jungles, um, specifically pure. But I do, I did want to get into some of the morphs. I have the jungle jags, uh, and then now I really want some zebras and to kind of play around with that. But I had um, really wanted to expand my jungles and had this tiger group, and I wasn't as excited about them as the jungles. And so I was talking to Will, and I was like, Will, I need some more of your jungles. He was like, I need that that tiger. <laughs> He's like, I want that high-contrast tiger. And I was like, really? Because, you know, I wanted her to go to someone who would like her, so we did some trading, and he got my tiger group, and I got a couple of his jungles, more of his jungles. Um, so right now it's on the jungles. Uh, a couple years ago I had a baby, and then I had some surgery, and so I was like, I need to cut back. And mm-hmm. So I'm down to, I've got six adults. Um, I have a handful of young adults and a handful of babies, and that is it as far as the carpets okay. for the moment. <laughs> so, so it is not a huge carpet. collection. Uh, let's say that of yeah. carpets, what else we got? 
I have uh, Womas. Okay. I have just I have a, a young adult pair and I have a pair of hatchlings. And I have okay. a blackhead python that I just got from Derek. Who <laughs> I am totally in love with. Um it's it's kind of where I'm going now is, is that whole and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the whole Aspidites um yeah. genus I, that that's that's kind of where I'm really excited about too. Um I've got that. And I do have some pair of king rats. Um I do want to get more Asian. Colubrids. I I really want some rhino rats and stuff, but and I have a yeah. uh, pair of yellowtail crevos. I used to have blacktail crevos, but sold them back in the day. I used to have a bunch of really cool stuff, but when I was going crevos. through my, I used to have a barnet scrub python that I bought, and this was back in oh man, two thousand four, <laughs> and I, I don't even remember where I bought it, but it was gorgeous, and I was like, man, this is mean and I ended up selling it and buying something else you know I went through my years of of doing that and now I'm like what I wouldn't give you know to have, <laughs> yeah, to have that animal back Eric, Eric, yes. Eric and I had that conversation a few shows ago we're like you know we don't miss scrubs it's like you know we sat there and we're like we love them they're beautiful but we don't feel like dealing with them it's like we had that epiphany together on air so it's like yeah you know, I still have yeah. I still have one barnack female, and uh, it was the one that's produced by David Means, and I'm just holding on to it for, I don't know, I guess because they look so cool. And I'll tell you what, man, every single time I open that tub, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so glad that I don't have a whole bunch of scrubs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not a breeder of these things. You can't, you but... can't get them off of, like a Shoot out of the tub. You can't get them off the hook. Oh my goodness! But they're so yeah. beautiful. You know, they're so beautiful. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I would like to. I say that I would like to get back into them, but I'm I'm very limited on space, so I kind of right. have to work with what I have. And but yeah, that, I I had a lot of really cool stuff that I sold. Um, my shoe male. Yeah, yeah, I sold him because he was a mouse oh. eater. Oh. Oh, and no. I have been, yes, yes. I just, at the time in my life, I was like, man, I'm feeding this thing multiple mice, and, you know, he's really pretty, and, and I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've been trying to get him back ever since, and the guy's like, hey, well, um, I, he, I, he just fell off the earth with other people, like, Yasser. What happened to Yasser? Uh, Yasser was doing the... Uh... He was doing a lot of hybrids for like a hot minute, and then I think he just kind of wandered off into the sunset, like certain yeah, other I people think, do. I think he has uh, he had some personal issues going on, and he just had to kind yeah. of back. Yeah. Well, yeah. the guy who bought my shoe at mail has wandered off too. Wow. <laughs> shoe so, is like that know. that dream jungle, you know. Whenever I, know. I think of like that perfect jungle, I think of shoe. Oh my colors. gosh. Wow. So, Charlotte, I know you kind of said that jungles were your thing. Are they your favorite subspecies currently or of all time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 it never fades with them. I'm just addicted to them. I love their colors. I love their patterns. I love their personalities. <laughs> in my experience, now, nobody else seems to really agree with this, but they're the meanest. My jungles <laughs> are just... Yes. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Darwin's are psychotic. Oh, I haven't Total had Darwin's. Darwin's. Not if it's an albino, 
like their their brains don't function normally, so they're they're dumb little albinos. But if it is a normal Darwin, they are like evil. So, yeah, yeah that's that's what I say, and I know Eric has some evil Darwins, so he may actually agree with me. Well, I think the ones that I have that are from mm-hmm. Terry Phillip that are not related yeah. to the albino line are probably yeah. only a few steps away from what you get in the wild. So, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, they're pretty feisty. They're unhappy. Um, yeah, so. But they they're just like any typical carpet as they get older. Like my old my, the older pair that I have, they're they're chill. I mean, they're not like if you picked up an inland or a bread lie, you know, that's where yeah. they're just like doom 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 doom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. diamond jungles I've always had have been very chill too. All the ones I've ever owned. Very laid-back uh, animals. Yeah. Diamonds yeah. are just that. Like, di- diamonds don't care. I find yeah. that jungles are the most high-strong as babies. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, as they grow, I, I don't I don't think I have a mean carpet. <laughs> I, I really do. don't. <laughs> you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the mean one? Well, Bathory is um, pretty mean. She's my CVR female uh, cover okay. line. Yeah, she's she's pretty mean. She's the one that got me in the face. Um, oh, ow. I, I, yeah, I had a nice <laughs> bite to the face from her. So, uh, she she's pretty mean. She's constantly angry. You can barely even walk by her cage without her glaring at you and and being very interested in what you're doing. And she will get you. There is no denying it. If you let her, she will. <laughs> wow! Wow! All the mean yeah. ones I sell to Owen. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, and then I realized what happened after about 20 minutes. But it's – see, this thing is I don't have a mean carpet python. I have some psychotic liasses, but, you know, that's to be expected of water pythons apparently. But that's weird. I don't have any mean carpets that much, at least not anymore. They all kind of grew out of it. So, huh. Cool. Um. Yeah, so I was curious about um you were talking about these Hycon tigers. They're not the citrus tigers, right? That from Wilburn? No. I no. uh my tiger I had a high contrast Queensland that was from a uh Caffinetto and Prada line pair. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you got the yeah, same ones that I got you. The same ones yeah. that yeah. created citrus tigers. Yeah. 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 That's why yeah. Will was like, I want her <laughs> Um, yeah so that was her and then I had a um, jaguar diamond male from Will that I used to breed her to and um, they were the ones that kind of started my my line and I don't know what it is about that particular male because I bred that male to a diamond jungle female and the babies came out striped too Um, he just I mean, he wasn't a tiger, at least I don't think. Right. He had to have some kind of striped blood in him because he produced striped babies. And so when he was bred to the high-contrast Queensland girl, um, they produced some amazing, amazing-looking animals. Um, I remember I just seeing them. Sold a, them all. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing them a while back, and they had that that because it had that diamond in it. It just was, you know, nothing was crazy. Colors, I yeah. really dug them a lot. They were cool. Yeah. I miss them. <laughs> I think they inspired me to uh, to sort of go along the same lines. I wonder if 
you know, it's funny that you say that you bred that Tycon um, tiger, and you're saying that it wasn't that great of stripes, and you got striped babies. I was really surprised when I bred a banded albino to a citrus tiger, and the striping was amazing. There was no, there was one baby that wasn't striped. Other than that, everything else had perfect stripes. You know, back yeah. stripes. So, that's a potent line for sure. Uh, <laughs> that Owen <laughs> and you have high yeah, con- I mean, why did you make it some high con tigers what do you think I'm doing over here half the damn time you're just not paying attention exactly of course I'm making high con tigers it's all I do so it's yeah come on the high cons I I have a special place in my heart for the high cons because I bought the high cons direct from Prada when he was getting out I had like I got like four high cons directly from him so I love Icon Tigers, and that's great. And I did see uh, Charlie's Animals when they were being produced, and they had some crazy-ass neon yellows on them. It was nuts. I'd love to see yeah, updated they pictures of them. Yeah. If you have a tiger from Charlotte, go post it someplace. I want to see it. So, I would love to see them, too. A lot of times people don't yeah. get back to me. I love when people come back and like, hey, you know, this is how I was doing. <laughs> it's alive. Look at it. It's sitting. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job. All right, so we'll get into a little bit of how you uh how you keep keep your carpets, but you know, uh I think from this point forward, Owen, we should establish yes. where the person is calling from. Yeah. Because I really that think that sense. it makes uh a difference in how people keep because right. Um, how we keep on the east coast and the northeast is probably totally different than how they keep in the southwest, you know. <laughs> kind of thing so right what what area of the of of the u.s are you in i'm in good old alabama okay (laughs) yep athens alabama um yeah born and raised here and uh been keeping them here and i I am sorry i kind of look around my room now I, I don't know what to do i don't ever have to worry about humidity that's pretty much one thing i can say about living in alabama and keeping the uh reptiles um I've never, and I feel like I need to knock on some wood, I've never had an RI um, in any of my carpets, and that might be due to the weather too, um, but I've never dealt with that in all the years that I've been been keeping, not one. Really? Um, Yeah. Lucky. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I need to really knock on some wood there. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's where I'm at, way down over here. Okay. So what do you use as far as, uh, well, let's start with uh, with your caging. I mean, how do you, we'll start with adults. You know, what's what's your perfect uh, enclosure for an adult carpet? Well, that that has changed um, kind of recently over, over the years. I currently right now, because my collection is so small, I can have them in nice kind of display cages. Um, I have PVC cages that are made by my buddy Doug. Doug Hartman lives locally to me, and um, he has made me some really nice cages. And I keep my males in like a 3 by 2 cage. It actually kind of uh, mimics the uh, carpet cage by Animal Plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of when I keep my, my males, and I have a smaller female in one of those. Now, my two big girls I keep in 4 by 2s Most of my cages are handmade. Um, whether it's from my friend Doug or myself, 
Um, I do have a couple like bowl file cages too, but most of my adults stay in um, the big ones, four by two. Um, I try to keep my males a little smaller now than I have in the past. Um, and they stay in the like three by twos. I do have some tubs that I keep um, little juvies in, maybe like yearling, two-year-old animals in. I have a few of those rubber-made cages that have the fronts that fold down um, that a lot of people keep the chondros in. Mm-hmm. I've got some some yearlings in that right now, and then of course rack systems for the babies. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, I think that's the uh, Doug Hartman is the one that. Um, Matt gets his cages from, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So, and actually, I was going to contact Doug. I need olive cages. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you said it's nice. Um, he's a buddy of mine, and I've known him for a long time, and I can just be like, hey, you made in this cage, and I'll just drive to your house and go get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really nice. That's pretty awesome. That's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Now, I would, in in regards to caging, um, like when we're talking about um, babies in particular, do you find that you have to give them a perch? Do you find that uh, it helps with feeding, or do you not not doesn't matter? Well, I've always given mine perches, so I okay. really uh, I really don't know. Now, my I keep my hatchlings in in small tubs. I do have some little, like, coat hangers almost um, rigged in there to be, like, little perches. And oftentimes I don't see them using them. Um, a lot right. of times they're just either I do put keep them on substrate. Uh, I use, like, a cypress mulch for them. Um, okay. So a lot of times they'll be buried. Like, this is, like, new baby hatchings. And uh, right. mm-hmm. occasionally I'll see them perched and stuff. So I'm not really sure if it's that beneficial to them. Now, once they upgrade into larger tubs and into, like, the rubber mains, I do put perches in there. I like to see them climb. I really think that's kind of the main reason I, I put them in there. Do they necessarily need it? I don't know. Um, I do, if I have some kind of finicky eaters, if they're perched, usually I know they're they're hungry. I come up from underneath, you know, don't freak them out by bringing food down from overhead. Um, right. And so maybe that does help. I, I just like to keep perches just because I like to see them, you know, I like to see them climb. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's one of the uh, the awesome things about carpets. I think is that uh, as far as uh, you know, like a display animal, they make make awesome display animals. Um, yeah. Because they move around and they also perch and you know. Whereas, like, no offense to the Condro fans out there, but let's face it, Condros <laughs> don't move all that often. They just know, sit but... <laughs> there. Yeah. They're just a ball python on a stick. Yeah. You do, you have to jab them. Yeah, otherwise they just kind of... Yeah, yeah or, they have, or they can get upper like, respiratory infections. You have to, like, kind of get them moving around so they don't, you know, settle. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Ryan Young had, had spoke about that as uh, one of the things that, um, you know, he... That, with the way he feeds, um, he doesn't really feed until they're out and moving around. Um, until they're all moving around, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, which kind of forces them to sort of move, you know, to go out and hunt for food. You know, if you have these fat chondros, which a lot of people have, they just kind of sit there on the stick and <laughs> wait for the next rat to come along or the mouse or whatever, you know. So for you, we have a lot of the bottom of their cage. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot of chondro people out here. I love chondros. You know? Yeah, I I would like to get into them. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. If I if I did it, I would want a ruse, and and that's what I would want. I want pure a ruse. Right. 
and that just uh, seems that, very hard that, to get a hold of, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be the one thing I like the Yaks. Yeah, Eric's on the Aru kick. So no, I like my favorite are the Meraki's. Um, oh, I like yeah, the right green with the white stripe. To me, that's just the the quintessential chondro. I mean, I don't want as much as I love like blue snakes and stuff like that. I mean, that's cool. But to me, like a chondro is green. I mean, you know, when when I was a kid, everything that was cool about a reptile was that it was green. You know, it's like an iguana is green, and uh, <laughs> you know, a chondro is green, and uh, an anole is green. You know, but I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, they're they're cool snakes. I think that um, I just disagree with a lot of how people keep them. But you know, people have success with them, and it is what it is. You know, but they're such they're they're small snakes. You know, they're really like yeah. tiny, snakes and people make them like these huge animals. But anyway, I digress. Uh, we're gonna get uh, hate mail from Condro folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are all the time. <laughs> Remember that's info at MoreliaPythonRadio dot com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everything should be addressed to Eric. Have fun, guys. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Let's talk about um, let's talk about temps. Um, what's your approach as far as temps go? Do you you know are you heating the room? Are you using hot spots? Are you you know there's sort of been this yeah. push to cool things down a little, not have it as hot as like uh, old Python keeping standards. What's your approach? Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure what everybody else does. In fact, you know, I'm kind of curious to know what everybody else does. But I don't do the um, ambient temperature thing. Um, I like to have hot spots in my cages. I never went with the, what was they called, the fill-up method or something like that for a while there. And yeah. A lot of my chondro buddies were doing the whole one, you know, one whole room temp. I actually keep my animals in my attic, and it's been converted. <laughs> so I right. do have the room um, air conditions. In the summer, and of course this past winter, I had to air condition it too. Um, and I do, I do kind of keep. I like to keep an ambient room temp of around anywhere from seventy four to like seventy six, kind of in that area is what I like to keep it at. Um, hot spots and cages, I like to hover around eighty two, eighty three. At least that's what my probe tells me. I do like radiant heat panels um, uh-huh. because I'm scared of heat tape. I've actually had a fire in my reptile room. Oh no. Um, Yes, was the scariest thing ever. It wasn't caused by heat tape. It was actually caused by something else. Um, a snake, actually, that Howard Redding ended up buying. That snake caused a fire <laughs> in my in my uh, reptile room. Oh, but anyway, no. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of paranoid about using heat tape under tubs and stuff. So I, I like the heat panels. Um, I use radiant heat panels, and I try to get a basking spot of, like, 83, just kind of, you know, anywhere from 82 to 84, I like to stay there. Don't really like to get up as high as 85 because this room does get hot sometimes. So, I don't know. That's, that's kind of like what I do. Um, I'm not real picky about it. My my tubs, like the little Rubbermaids, have the um, undertank heaters or the little uh, Ultratherm heaters, heat mats under them. I, I have been thinking about changing it up, though. This summer, I... And thinking about removing some hot spots and seeing about keeping a hotter daytime temperature and letting it cool naturally at night, seeing if if that might work. I don't know. It's one thing about me is I'm constantly learning still. Everything's changing, seeing what works best. Um, I did have a scare not last summer, the summer before, where my AC went out and my heat spiked and I almost uh, lost my animals. And that was really scary. Oh, jeez. 
Yeah. So um, yes, I <laughs> I uh, don't really uh, mess around with that. So I don't really know what I'm going to do this year, if I'm going to keep it like I have been or if I'm going to try and maybe let's get, let the room itself get up to 82, 83, and then at night just, you know, let it cool down. I do like them to have a, a gradient a bit, so. That's kind of yeah. what I do now. Now, with babies, I keep them a little hotter. Okay, um, I okay. like to keep my racks at, like, 86, 87 on the hot side. Yeah. Now, I've heard that before. Like, what's the re- what's your reasoning for that? Why do you think that they need to be hotter? I don't know. From my experience, um, and actually Will Bird helped me with that, is I had okay. a problem feeder a long time ago, and he was like, bump up the temps. Bump it up in your rack system to like 89 degrees. And I was like, whoa. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I did, and it started eating. And oh, really? I, I don't, yes, I don't know why. So I, naturally now I just kind of make my baby rack hotter than pretty much everything else in the room. Um, I do... Uh, do back heat. Um, I don't have the belly heat thing, so the okay. front of the the tub doesn't get as hot as the back. But the back, I like to keep it in the. I mean, it's above eighty five. Right is what I, I like yeah. to keep it at, and they they tend to do really well, and they actually seem to hug the back a lot. Um, but I won't let it get. I like. I mean, eighty seven, eighty eight is the absolute max I, I feel comfortable letting it get. But I mean, there's oftentimes it's in the eighty six, eighty seven range, and uh, they they do really well. For the most part, not going uh-huh. to wood again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very good. So, I guess my next question would be feeding, but I'm curious with the babies. Like, are you offering uh, bigger meals? Because I know Will, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, he's he's talked about it a couple times on the show where uh, he feeds a lot. I don't know if it's big meals, but I know he feeds a lot. You know, he feeds very heavy, uh, especially to babies. Do you do the same or? I like to feed them about every five to seven days. Okay. Um, the one thing that that I was excited to talk about, I guess, tonight is the whole mouse versus rats thing. Um, right. I'm constantly, it seems like every year I do something different. But mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I had some problem feeders and, and stuff. I have noticed that if I, when I offer live mice off the bat, I never have a problem feeder. Really? They always just hit the ground running with food, um, right. and and that's kind of what I like to offer. Little uh, live, like pretty fat fuzzies or small hoppers. Um, right. That's kind of what I start my babies off on. Um, it's definitely not a tiny meal, but it's not something I don't think you know. I'm not worried about them getting bit if they do a you know wonky restrict on restrict on one of the babies or something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I that's kind of what I do. I like to do a little fat hopper mice. However, I am sitting on some yearlings that don't want to take anything else. But uh, <laughs> right now. So Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder, you know, I'm th- is it is it jungles in particular that, that you're having the issue with? Or is it? No, actually, I mean, I, I haven't produced jags in a couple of years um, just mm-hmm. because I kind of wanted to get out of the whole morph thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to stick with the the pure, so I didn't breed them um, last year or the year before, I think. Uh, so they, they were the ones I had the most problem with, getting them started. My normal jungles don't tend to have any issue. Um, a couple of years ago, I want to say that I took rat pinkies and just followed them out and laid them on the cage bottom. You know, I didn't tease them, knock them in the head, or shake it around the bedding or anything like that. 
I just took the wrap fuzzy and threw it on the bed and closed the tub. And I want to say almost all of them ate right off the bat. I was like, oh, man, this is great. And that was the year of my, uh, my, you know, all the babies were on rats and taking thawed, and it was like one of the easiest years ever. Um, whereas last year I didn't want to fool with having any kind of, um, you know, problem feeders or anything, so I just started off with mice right off the bat and got the babies eating really well, growing really great. Um, they switch over to, you know, thawed, no problem, in my experience for the most part. I mean, you do have a few hiccups along the way, but... Nothing that's, you know, terribly uh, painful to, to get through. But I am going to start switching my, my holdback yearlings over to rats here soon. Yeah. Or try to. Right. See, I've never had that problem. I've never had an issue with feeding, like, switching over at all. I think it's because... Yeah, I've heard you say that before on some of the shows. The way that I feed, hmm. I guess. I don't know. Owen, oh, have you had an issue with that? I've had tons of... Uh, Really? But I never start with I never start with live off the bat. I, live I is something that I go to after. Um, I did have to for my breadline because the entire clutch was like no, and I'm like, what the hell? Normally I'll offer frozen thaw, and mm-hmm. most of them take it. It's after I have a few uh, holdouts is when I go and resort to the live. But like like I said, the entire breadline clutch is I don't know if just the whole breadline or just like more gentle and more nervous. They didn't want to bite it. They were, like, terrified of a dead mouse. And when I put the live hopper in there, they were like, kill it. So it was like that is what worked out for them. So I could see the whole point. I've never done it, and I'm not really going to change what I do, but I do see uh, the kind of point in it. But I have I didn't have any problem breaking anybody of live rodent. It, it kind of just like after a certain point, once they're rolling, you just start offering them the dead ones, and then they just keep eating it. So yeah. it's kind of like the same transition from mice to rats. It's you know, I think if you do it early enough, when they're in that everything must be eaten mode, they, it's easier. It's when you wait until they're like four years old is when they're like, no, I want my mouse back. So, <laughs> huh. <laughs> I never had that. I don't know. Never had that problem. I hope I never do. All right. Knock. Now I have to knock on wood. (laughs) You you will. You will. You'll get there, and then you'll call me. You know, panicking. Well, I did. I did have problems with babies starting. I've had that issue, and that that's what led me to do kind of what you're doing, Charlotte. Is the uh, I just offer hoppers from the get. That's what I do. You know, just I just want to get them eating. You know, that's yeah, my exactly. whole thing. It's like, get them eating and worry about the rest later. We'll figure yeah. it out later. Like, you know, and that's, and I love how Charlotte's like, just give them live rodents. We're like, Charlotte's not doing the whole, like, if I force feed them a mixture of tuna and yogurt <laughs> with a little bit of egg yolk, I might be able to entice them to eat a tail. It's like, just give them the live prey and see what happens. I'll so, deal with that when I'm breeding the Kribos. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so this is often a, a controversial topic, I guess. You know, well, I shouldn't say controversial, but there's different trains of thought when it comes to this. But what are your thoughts when, um, you know, people will say that? I, I guess I would agree with this, but mice for young Moralia is better than you know feeding a rat pup or a pink that's all filled with fat and and uh, water goo, or goo, and whereas uh, when you're feeding a mouse. 
you're feeding it basically, you know, an adult animal and uh, overall better nutrition for the animal. You, yeah, you I agree with the um, the mouse thing. There's more bone, uh, <laughs> more more I guess meat, you know, less just goo, soft body. Um, <laughs> I have also noticed that in my experience, which I mean, I've only been breeding for, I have to think about it, like six years now, um, they seem to grow faster when I'm yeah. feeding them the mice. Yeah. Uh, they grow bigger, they grow faster, um, get some size on them, and they really love those those live wiggly mice. Um, but, and, and I've tried the whole live rat pups, and or not pups, you know, pinkies, I guess, and, and some of these too, and they just... They don't take them as readily, and I end up, you know, having to euthanize some of them, freeze them, that kind of thing. Um, but they they love those mice, and I just think that it is probably better, I guess, uh, more nutritious than say the rat fuzzies or pinkies. You know, I, I have done both, and without any kind of ill effect on the animal, I just have noticed mm-hmm. that they do grow faster when it's the small mice versus the little, you know, fat ball. That the little rat pinkies are. Right. Have you <laughs> have you ever balloon. have you ever tried African soft furs? That's Morelia crack. <laughs> I have uh. not. Um I have not. Uh one year I did try um with I think it might have been with the Jags and when I was dealing with trying to get them eating. Um Marshall Mendez helped me out. I went to his place and looked at his chondros and stuff and hung out with him for a while and he gave me a chick to pluck and dip their little faces in chick down. Um, yep, and I got works. some problem feeders started on that. I still have that chick in my freezer, by the way. You are not a true Morelia keeper unless you have a chick in your freezer. Chicken, unless That's you have so some true. chicken somewhere, chick. yeah. Yeah, uh, in my freezer. So, and that, that worked, but I've never done the African software thing. I've always heard to kind of stay away from that because they get addicted but that was more with like ball pythons and stuff. I've never heard about it with the Morelia. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm I, about to try that with my albino because he's driving me up a wall. So uh, I, might, I might be looking for African softwares at Hamburg this weekend. I, I, use, I use them because they're actually uh, the size-wise they're pretty good, um, you know, because you can get an adult animal that's fairly – Along the same size as like what you would find in a you know in a, in a large mouse you know so okay. um, I don't know I I've used them um, I think they're the perfect chondro food you know they're 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 a little bit bigger than a mouse but you know they're not easy to come by I guess but I'm lucky my the, my rodent breeder you know she breeds them so uh, it works out well. Um, Get, I did have a okay. Go ahead, Owen. I'll I'll, I'll figure out that. <laughs> I, <had, laughs> I got distracted for a second. I do have a follow-up question, but I, I just I, it'll I, it'll come back. To <laughs> I blank. Um, uh, can you tell us some of your breeding projects that you got going on? Uh, anything that you got cooking this year or want to get started? Yes, I really want to produce a zebra this year. Um, I, I've been wanting a zebra because, you know, it's jungle. I think it's really cool that it's one of the morphs that kind of comes from the jungle line. And I yep. uh, was thinking about buying one, and I actually had a good friend of mine get a hold of a Nick Mutton-produced uh, jungle. 
and was like, hey, yeah. you know, zebra. And he was like, hey, you know, you want to use them? I'm like, yes, 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 I do, I do. And uh, I put him with two of my um, females, my Andrew hairline females. Nice. In order to produce some jungles, or zebras, um, one of the females, this is her first year going, so I don't know how well it's going to turn out. And um, the other one is Stella, my uh, my famous female. A lot of people know about Stella, apparently. Um <laughs> Yeah, and people I don't even know were like, hey, is Stella producing this year? I'm like, okay, I, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's one of my most known Oh, it's like you're at a show and somebody comes up to like, how's Maverick doing? I'm like, you mean the baby exotic check that I just got over the weekend? Please stop. This is really creepy. It's like, you know, sometimes people are that in tune to you. So, but but that's cool. And I also love that you're like the Andrew Hairline animals. And I'm like, that is a line I've not heard of in a while. That's awesome. So yeah, uh, really? Because I've cool. had a lot of people talk about hairline. Everybody here's the problem: everybody has them, but nobody talks about them anymore because it's just yeah. like, oh, that's my jungle. It's like, no, it's an Andrew Hairline jungle. That's a good jungle. It's like you know, say it. People are all about you know, uh, the uh, headhunter or this line or this locale animal. It's like sometimes the lines the good lines even get lost in translation here. It just becomes a jungle. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, well, right, I'm so. waiting. I'm in the waiting game with that right now. Um, I'm, I got eggs already out of my cover girl female. And so, uh, got those in the incubator and then my other two I'm watching staring at <laughs> for any sign of anything. Um, now I'm wondering, did I, did I miss, did I miss the pre, uh, Lay shed? I don't know. I I was watching it on Bathory this year. Last year I missed it because she never went off feed. She never showed me anything. And just walk upstairs one day and it's like, boom, she's sitting on some eggs. And uh, I was like, crap. Get my incubator set up because I am too scared to do the MI thing just yet. Um, Okay. I really want to, but I have have lots of questions when it comes to MI. I need to pick somebody's brain. Um, But I will do it one of these days when I can... I guess afford to potentially lose a clutch. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep that in mind, right? Yes. Oh, come on. Right? <laughs> or you have to have a friend nearby that has an incubator that's ready to roll. So well, you can yeah. Panic and run over their place. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's no better way to experience carpet python breeding than maternal incubation. Seriously. I mean, they've been doing it for. For hundreds of millions of years, I think that they know what they're doing. Um, okay, my question is, I, I do have a question when it comes to MI and your cage temp. You know, everybody says when you incubate eggs, it's, you know, between 86 and 80, 89 degrees. You know, trying to aim for that, that 88 degree mark. And, well, okay, so my my basking sites are like 84 you know, and they, you know, I listened to Brian Hummel's show too, and he was talking about she knows where to lay her eggs and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, can, but, but how does it get to the the temperature? Like, I don't understand. I'm, well, there's a couple different ways that I've seen. I've done it a couple times. Um, I've done it with I think four clutches. Um, she'll go and I've seen them bask. I've seen that more with like diamond crosses. Um, what they'll do is they'll leave the eggs. They'll go and they'll bask. Uh, then they'll, you know, go back to the eggs. Um, that's one way. 
I've seen a female where she just kind of puts her first third of her body outside of the egg box in the basking spot. Um, and then she'll go back in um, and wrap up the eggs. Uh, she usually puts her head tight in the coil, you know, like in the beehive. Um, yeah. I've seen carpets actually pick up their eggs and move them. Um, That's they sort awesome. of coil underneath of them and they kind of move them over. Um, I've seen them go through water, um, and then they kind of go back to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, to the clutch to, for humidity purposes, I would imagine. Uh, I've seen the female put, like I said before, put her head in the coil. I think sometimes that helps with humidity. Um, I've actually seen the, 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 uh, snake urinate as well, um, uh, hmm. I don't know if that's for that reason or not, but um, I would have assumed it affects the humidity. I know me and Jason were Probably. talking about that before. Um, I've seen, you'll see when, I don't know, I, I kind of think that, um, I have a thought that <laughs> if the, the, the clutch is in the wild, they're going through temperature fluctuations, um, if you look at the complete carpet python book, Nick put uh, probes, uh, you know, data loggers in the middle of clutches, and you could see how it wasn't a consistent temperature. And my thought was is that are we uh, – will the uh, carpets get, develop a stronger immune uh uh, you know, like their their system will be stronger because of these temperature fluctuations. And when we're sticking them in an incubator at a solid temperature and it's not really fluctuating too much, um, is that making their, you know, uh, their system weaker? Therefore, they develop respiratory infections. They can't take cold drops. And you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's I, I mean, it's not for everybody. I get it. But. I don't know. I'm a I'm a carpet python geek and like <laughs> you've gone this far and seen so many things. There's so many observations that can be um that that you'd see by watching them. Now, my very first clutch of carpets was the one that I maternally incubated. I figured I'm going to get this out of the way because everybody seemed like everybody's so f- afraid of doing it. Um and Jason Balin just convinced me that you know, that's it. I just used the regular temperatures that were in the cage, and um, the one thing I did notice is before she laid, I I would constantly move the egg, like her lay box, um, under the heat, and she would constantly move it away. (laughs) (laughs) Move it back where she wanted it, yeah. Yeah, and then finally I just stopped, and then that's when she she laid her eggs. You know, I was just worried, like just like you're saying, like, oh, my God, it's going to have to be this temperature. And I'm telling you, man, on that 55th day, or 60th day, whatever it, it happens to be, when they pop out and you see those little heads underneath the coils, it's oh, it's so cool. It's so freaking cool. But Do you feed your females? No, no. Okay. Yeah. I kind of do like some people Wilbur. do. I've seen people yeah, do I've it. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess my feeling is, is that uh, the way I feed, um, there's no need for it. Um, you definitely can't breed that animal again uh the following year uh yeah it takes yeah. a lot out of them because they look like death <laughs> when they come off of the, looks like they really do them, yeah. they look bad you know i mean they look beat up and bad um 
but that's what they're built to do, you know. Um, I don't know. It's just awesome, you know. I don't. Yeah. I think if you feed enough going into the season, there would be no reason to, I don't, I, you know, to, to do it. You know, if your female is kind of like on the iffy side, I, I, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it, you know, but. Let her do it, yeah. Also, she doesn't have tight coils like if the clutch is too big. And apparently nobody lets Jags maternally incubate. They, like, put their eggs in the water bowl. Or something. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, this I've is a perfect too. spot for the exact. Apparently, yeah. Jags are terrible mothers. They're like, this is Jags a perfect are not spot good mom. It's like, oh, God damn it. So, uh, yeah, don't try with a Jag. Um, that's you know, what we've heard. It's just, it's just weird that, you know, I guess for whatever reason, carpet pythons are like. I know that other pythons do it, but it seems, I guess, just because of how we are in captivity, like how we keep them, a lot of people get keep carpets, do maternal incubation, but they seem to do it the best. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, yeah, I don't, I mean, not, when you got to when you have to trap a chondro in with its eggs to take care of its own babies, it's kind of <laughs> like that's a that's a minus <laughs> in the in the good mother column. So I mean, there's that. I, I so. think. I, I think if you're going to try it, my recommendation would be this. You have to really pay attention for like the first week or two. Um, if you see her leaving those eggs in that first week or two, probably more than likely I would probably pull it. If she leaves the eggs and then she goes right back, I, I wouldn't sweat it so much. But um, I had, I've had experiences where which is weird the uh, the clutch that Owen's talking about the <laughs> I had three clutches that year in 2012 and the first two were um perfect as far as um you know her beehiving around the eggs and everything the one thing I wouldn't recommend is I used uh ripped up paper as a substrate you know and what happened yeah. over the course of time is it molded and I lost, um, like of, I lost I lost a couple of the eggs. Um and I didn't notice it until till the end when, when it was over. Of course it was a zebra jag too, but <laughs> that was uh oh. Oh. egg. Um uh but yeah the paper got moldy, um so I would use sphagnum moss. Um and the other thing is, like, the other clutch, there was two eggs that were kind of, like, pushed outside her coils, and I freaking panicked, like, a, like <laughs> unbelievably. And this is the one he's talking about. What do I do? I don't have an incubator. I don't know what to do. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, turns out that those, both those eggs went bad. So, again, that just reassured me that mom knows best. Uh, I right. should just sort of pull them out, let her do her thing. Um but if 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 they get a good wrap around them, which I, most of my carpets have, I don't know about used to, but um, I don't know. It's worth a shot. It's fun. My 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 clutches are too big, but um, that's beside the point. Um, so Charlotte, you should really just try your maternal incubation with both your zebra clutches. Like just go <laughs> right off that bridge, just dive head first. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not that, you know, I would be tempted to do it with Stella. Stella seems like she would be a very good mom. Um Yeah. 
she does a nice little perfect beehive, and she's always very upset when I take her eggs from her. Um, and I and I just kind of right. know she's one that I would kind of trust to to see that happen with my my little girl um, Celeste is what I've named her. It's her first year going. She no no <laughs> those are going there <laughs> no. <laughs> Give me these. Go away. Yeah, that's. But yeah, I mean that would be cool. But you're exactly like I am, where I'm like, I know what's in these eggs. Give me these. You, here's a rat. Go back to doing whatever it is you were doing. Yeah, it's right. No. Yeah. no. So, uh, what's what is your approach to breeding your carpets? Uh, you know, how do you how do you take us through, you know, your entire cool down to uh, eggs? Okay. Um, that that has changed a bit too over the course of years. Okay. Um, I I used to kind of start cooling in, uh, or like kind of just go into full force cooling in January, and take them out around March. Now with it being with with me being so far down in the south, um, we typically see breeding activity a lot later than everybody else. Um, so it, it's not uncommon to see the the breeding activity later um, than some, but. Last year and this year, I kind of started cooling end of November, um, or more like mid-November is when I start cooling down the temperatures and start introducing the males into the female cages. I actually got a lock between the zebra and my my young uh, female Celeste in November. I did get a confirmed lock, and I kind of got an iffy lock a couple months ago, and that's all that I've seen, so I'm hoping something comes out of it. But anyway, usually... um, November is kind of when I start putting the males in there, dropping the night temps. Um, I do like to get it pretty cold. And I was Uh actually talking to Marshall about that when I went to his place one time, and he was like, really, you let it get down to like 65? And and I I do. Um, That's kind of how cold I like to let it get. It it has been colder before, and um, I've never had any issues once again trusty piece of wood there. I've uh, never had an RI or anything come out of it. Um, but 65 is where I like to see it get at as, as far as night. In the day, I bring the tent back up to maybe about 80 for a few hours, and then I kind of slowly drop it back down again. Um, I don't really do much with the lights. I don't kind of like, you know, limit light cycles really. Um, but I start, I kind of do that until about now, uh, into February, going into March, I start bringing the tips mm-hmm. back up. I kind of did a little bit earlier this month um, just because I saw a lot of breeding activity. Uh, my shoot line, I, I use quotation marks when I say that, but um, my my male that came from my shoot male, uh, he was just a breeding machine. So, I mean, I knew that yep. I was going to get eggs out of them. Um, but the zebra, he was a, he's quite the cuddler. And I got a lot of um, <laughs> things that looked like locks and stuff that's made me hopeful. And then, you know, towards the beginning of this month, kind of started ignoring the girls. And so I sent him back with his owner, and uh, now I'm waiting. But that's typically what I do. Um, and I usually see eggs around um, Easter. It's <laughs> kind of when I usually start seeing eggs. I actually saw, but Bathory gave me her clutch pretty early. So she gave it at me that the other day. Nice. Cool. Waiting, waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the incubator. What's uh, what's your incubator? My incubator is my old refrigerator. Yeah. Um, there's a <laughs> fridge that went bad, and I was like, sweet. So it's got like the bottom yeah, of the the, the normal part of the fridge 
is rigged up with um, like uh, heat tape and the thermostat. I do have a, a little fan um, that I've rigged up in there that I put on low. That's like a little computer fan type thing um, that I do have on there. And I have a thermostat, like three of them. And I also have a temp gun that I'm constantly checking the temperature of the eggs. Um, for in the beginning part, I usually, you know, candle them into a couple days in just to kind of see what's going on with them. Um, open up the incubator, you know, every every couple of days, check on them. Uh, and towards the end, though, I'm, I'm opening the incubator, you know, like multiple times a day. Yeah. Just to um, get some air in there and, and constantly watch and, and see what they're doing. But that's what I've got now. The top part of my incubator is not in use, so like the freezer section. Um, mm-hmm. I am going to hopefully in the next couple of years special uh, rig that for moments because I'm excited to take on that challenge. Cool. Appar- apparently they're very hard. <laughs> that's one of yeah, the hardest things. Apparently. I've heard that. What so, What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, I'm sorry, Owen. I was just going to say, what are you going to do? Special with that section that you don't do. I have no idea. Um, Well, no, a lot of (laughs) a lot of air circulation. um, I've read different things on it. They say a lot of like forced warm air over the eggs is supposed to do good. So Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna make like a warm wind tunnel in there. Um, No, I I don't. I don't really know. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of just doing a lot of research. My pair is probably not gonna go for another couple years. My oldest pair came from Derek. Um Okay. And they're they you know, the male's probably good to go, the female's probably got another year. She might go next year, I'm not sure. Um right. like I said, it's very new. I actually got the Womas in a trade at the reptile show that I go to and um John Barry had some and he wanted some of my jungles and then he had all these Womas and I was like, Hey, I like your Womas He's like, I like your jungles. Like, okay. So at the show, um, we ended up doing some trading, and I originally got those Womas to sell to someone else because um, I was like, they're just still in a, I, I need a black, I need a blackhead, I need blackheads in my life. I want them so bad, and a lot of people think I'm crazy for wanting them, and I just have for years. And so I was like, you know, Womas are just trying to fill that hole. You know, it's like you sharpie their head black, and you got a black and a python. It's like no, you just gotta pretend, yeah. Yeah, that would just be pretending. So I originally did that in hopes to sell those womas to someone else who was like, I can't buy any more carpets from you. I've bought too many. Um, I'm like, hey, you need some womas, you know, make some sounds. Wasn't selling anything at the show, so you know, get these womas and flip them. Um, but I loved them. I, I quickly fell in love with them. They are adorable. They're just. Fantastic. They're they've got personalities and they're so cute and, and then I got some art. Um I don't know how to say his last name. Avils Avils Gomez. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that. Oh yeah. They're gorgeous. Yeah. My uh yeah. my males males from him. They're awesome. Yes. He's probably the best Gomez so... in the country. I oh, agree with you and I need more. Need more. <laughs> I would love so. to see how many people got hooked onto Womas because it was like the poor person's blackhead and they're like, I'll get these because I can't get blackheads. They're like, these are awesome. So like, I would yeah. love to see how many people got hooked on Womas because they're like, I guess I have to settle for these. And then it's like, oh shit, these are awesome. So yes. that would yeah. be kind of funny to see. But I've heard I, I, my experience with Womas is my male was a jerk 
and he kind of ruined the whole trio. So I got rid of them all. So I haven't bit back in Aspidites yet, but I am not going to do it anytime soon. So you guys. Oh man, I'm I'm loving them. I'm having a good time with them. That's awesome. I I just think they're so cute, and they're very different um, from the carpet. I kind of need that right now. Something that can still. Stay in my reptile, my my humble little reptile room, um, because I love Asian rat snakes. I want to keep Asian rat snakes, but I mean they would have to be downstairs, outside, and cool yeah, and, away yeah. from that. <laughs> and so I, they're, they're just awesome. It's something that's really different, and they're you know foraging, and it's fun to watch them search for food. I kind of like to hide it in their cages. It's really cool to watch them get all excited and <laughs> try yeah. to find it, and that. Uh, then I finally, finally got my blackhead from Derek, and I'm totally in love with her. And now I'm trying to save my pennies uh, for a male. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're going to get a blackhead, you get it from Derek Roddy. And, uh, you have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I would joke with him for years about needing to sell my soul to come up with the money to buy one, but <laughs> I finally did it. Finally did it. Without and, um, yeah. Now I just need to produce these jungles, and people need to buy them so I can buy, you know, another one. Isn't that always the problem? I have all these animals. People need to buy them so I can go buy more animals, different exactly. animals. Yeah, it's always the way. So, I got a I got a Derek Roddy story for you, real quick. Um, when I was down in Florida, it. when I was down in Florida, um, he he te- he sends me a message. I guess because he saw I was posting up stuff, and he's like, "Why don't you come by yeah. and see the collection?" I'm like, oh, of God. all the days, I can't go today. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> my Next time, good I'm going. You didn't, yeah. though, because, like, you'd be getting a package filled with, like, four blackheads. Like, <laughs> when you returned, you'd be like, oh, crap, what did I do down in Florida? So, yeah. that's good. And, and I also love how Charlotte was talking about how, like, you go in the incubator and, like, are always constantly looking at them. And you candled your eggs. All right. Like, truth time, how many times did we candle our first clutch of eggs? Because I was doing it, like, every other day. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. I was like, it was like, like, oh, my God, there's a new vein today. It's like, and then once the shadows started appearing and then they moved, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. There was so much going on with my first clutch of carpet by times. It was ridiculous. First clutch, I still do that. (laughs) <laughs> I do. I still will hold it. I love holding the little flashlight up to those eggs, and especially, like you said, when they start developing. I mean, there was one time I did it, and you could just see a perfect little head, you know, just come up towards Ooh, the egg. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> There's something in here. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's exactly what you want. Which it's is, very I cool. Is, I, I couldn't do it because mine you was couldn't? maternally what? incubating. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Sucks. You know what's funny is I I candled the monitor eggs and monitors apparently developed so much slower than snakes because they're in the incubator for like 90 days. And so I'm like candling them like three weeks in. I'm like, there's no veins. What is wrong with these things? You know, like uh, two weeks, three weeks later, that's when they started actually turning red and getting veins in them. So it was weird to see that stuff. But anyway, uh, Charlotte, when do you uh, do you introduce your boys at a certain point, or do you are you like some of your guys like spend all year with each other? 
Oh, no. No, I introduce them at a certain point. Usually um, I'll start dropping the temps in about two weeks in. I throw the mail in there and watch, you know, see what happens. Keep them in there for, I don't know, I I don't really clock it or anything, you know, a couple weeks. And then if I see him getting lazy or I'm not seeing any activity, I pull them. Um, you know, give them another couple weeks. Sometimes I'll feed the female. I kind of feed sporadically throughout the cooling. Um, I used to not feed at all during cooling, Mm -hmm. but lately I've been, like this past year I did, I kind of just, like every month or so would, you know, offer the girl a rat. Uh, not the boys though. They get starved out. Um, (laughs) they do. I want to keep them busy. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I, I do that, and then I take them out. Occasionally, I do combat. In fact, I posted a couple videos on my uh, my Facebook page this past year of, um, or just a few months ago actually, of combating the zebra with uh, my male, my other male jungle, who is gorgeous. He is just knock you off your feet, gorgeous, and I cannot wait to breed him to Stella. But he is not interested in breeding at all. And oh, it's come making on. me really angry. <laughs> I'm getting mad. So. I I compatted him with the poor little zebra, and he just whooped his butt, was slinging him around the cage, and then I put him back in the female, and he just sits there. You know, and the zebra, I put him in with the other female, and he immediately cuddles up with the other one, the girl, and, you know, uh, hopefully he fired my clutches, but my other little beautiful, gorgeous male jungle is um, being, a bit, being a bit of an ass. He's just not interested. <laughs> He'll combat. But he won't breed, so I don't. It's like I don't know what's the going fight, on. apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you seen kind of different timelines? Because I know with us up here in the East Coast, you know, we've been getting a lot of really freakishly warm weather, and it just keeps pushing back clutch times. Like you know, I've had clutches late in July, you know, August. Um, you kind of see that down by you every once in a while where the weather is just not cooperating and it pushes the clutches back? I haven't yet because we have warm winters anyway, um, pretty much, you know. So the past few years have have been pretty much the same for me except Mm. for this past year. This this past winter was a joke. I mean, I I had to run the AC (laughs) unit to get it cold enough. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I was very frustrated, and I remember being at work and venting to my coworkers, and they're like, oh, it's such a mild winter. I'm like, I hate it. My snakes won't breathe. It's pissing me Stop off. Stop enjoying it. It's yeah, <laughs> a problem. Yeah. Um, so I literally was, you know, cutting on my, my AC unit and trying to get it cold just to get them to breathe. Um, didn't stop my, my male. His name was Monster, my shoe at line male. Um, didn't stop him at all. He bred, like, I think I stopped counting at eight lockups. Uh but the little male zebra, you know, maybe he did a good job. I don't know. We'll find out. That's what I'm waiting on. Um, but I am not seeing eggs or, I guess, anything out of two. And, of course, one I've already had a clutch out of. So I don't know. It's still kind of early to say if it affected this year, but the past few years have been pretty much the same. Okay. Uh, now, when major storms come rolling through, do you see your boys kind of – you see an uptick in the locks or cruising at least because – at least up here, when it snows, they, they, that that's when, like, all of a sudden you walk downstairs and everything is breathing with everything else. Yes. Um, it does okay, seem cool. like when it snows, it only snows in Alabama, like, uh, you know, once, once a <laughs> winter. And then you get snow for, like, you know, a day, 
It's like two inches yeah. on the ground. Schools are closed, and the next day it's all solid, and everybody's back to you know shorts. Um, right. That's kind of how it is down here. So, but yeah, I have noticed that it tends to kick them up into action. So I always get excited around that time. Um, I did notice that this past storm that came through and snowed, a lot of people were commenting on their walnuts getting um, busy. Really. So okay. that made me excited for future. And I won't be bringing walnuts anytime soon. But um, but I've noticed a lot of people commented on that. But as far as my carpets, I didn't really notice anything that was different. That really stood out as different. So. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, as far as what do you think is the most important thing that you do during your breeding season to ensure that you actually get success? I like that 65 degrees. Hmm. That's kind of really what, if I can get it that cold, um, that makes me happy. I, I don't know if uh, that is any kind of like key to success or anything. But I, I do like to um, take them cold. I like to still do the the, the cooling because a lot of people, or I guess I wouldn't say a lot of people, but it seems like some people don't do that. They like to do the year-round temperature, solid ambient temp. Um, no, I still like to cool them. I still like to offer basking sites. Um, other than that, I kind of have a loose timeline I follow when I cool and when I put them together, I you know, occasionally combat. But other than that, no. I just like that that okay. number <laughs> for some reason. It's a, it's a good number. Um, yeah. Do you shoot for a specific number of clutches per year, or are you like most breeders like myself, where you just kind of heave jello at the wall and see what sticks? Right. Well, um, like I said, a couple of years, the uh, year before last, I had one clutch because I was so busy. Mm-hmm. I knew that I would not be able to be sitting there over tubs dangling, you know, food items and hoping babies eat and cleaning tubs. And so, yeah, I just kind of had one clutch. Um, this year I was planning on two, ended up um, attempting three. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I got. I like to do the three clutch. There was one year when I had the tiger group, the uh, brettles going and my jungles, and my brettles had like a 20-something, I want to say it was like 23 egg clutch, which to me was very large. <laughs> And then um, my tiger ended up popping out 20 babies, and then I had, like, a bunch of jungles, and I was like, oh, my God. Because it got to the point where I'm going to shows and nobody's buying anything. Um, and, and I was just like, I'm going to have these snakes forever. You know, I'm tired. I just want to sleep. And it, it's so to me, that was that was a lot. Um, you know, I hear you, you're like, oh, yeah, we got seven pairings. And I'm like, I don't know what I, I mean, I, well, I don't what know. What I, do. I, I never said I know what I'm doing. I just said you're going to have them. So <laughs> I never said there's going to be moment. Yeah, like there's not going to be that moment where I'm sitting in my neighbor room and I'm like, "What the hell have I done to myself?" I mean, that that happens every year around August. So, yeah. Do you breed your own food? No. God, I wish I did. <laughs> so I um, tried to get him no. to set it up, but he he didn't want to do it. So. After spending numerous years in animal labs with, like, rooms full of mice and rats, you couldn't pay me enough money to do it, like, when I wasn't working. Like, there's not – Eric could roll up to my house with a truck full of $100 bills, and I'd still be like, no, but leave the money. (laughs) But it's like, um, no, I I can't do it. Uh, So, but my my rodent guy – he has 
a big rodent farm up here in Lancaster, PA. And uh, he cuts me in on a very good deal when I have babies. So I'm not going broke. But yeah, <laughs> there have been there have been the years where I have like uh, I had the one year when Sophie shook loose. I had a hundred something babies. Man. So yeah, it works. It was <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know, but that was only from three females. So you know, it was just kind of there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, uh, Charlie, how do you set up uh, your eggs in the incubator? Do you do uh, sit and rot on substrate? Do you have a grate? Uh, what what substrate do you use? It depends on the year. Um, that's another one that's that's constantly changing. I'm doing something different mm-hmm. this year that I've never done before. Um, it started off when I first started breeding the the carpets. I would just take the mound of eggs, stick yep. them in some vermiculite, okay. shove them in the incubator, and um, okay. had pretty good success. Then a few years ago, I did that and I lost a bunch of babies, um, like half. I don't think it was quite half, but it was close to it, of a, a clutch of, of eggs. And I contacted Will. He was, he's been who I kind of go to a lot of times. So I was like, what happened? You know, um, yeah. I, I don't understand. They were fully formed. I mean, I'm pulling out eggs that, you know, they would even pimp and die in the eggs. And I, I did not Jeez. understand what happened. And so he kind of thought that maybe the eggs that were on the bottom of the the cluster in the vermiculite somehow got too much moisture, got overheated, something happened. So he was kind of suggesting I get them off the vermiculite. So the past couple years, um, I've had them on paralyte with a little light grate, um, kind of shoved down there to get them off, and I've had much better success. So, but I I still tend to lose a couple every year. And I, I'm not really sure why. That's what I'm in the process of trying to figure out right now. Um, and I think last year I lost one. But it was, again, one of those situations where either the egg tipped or, you know, was fully formed baby inside. It's always on the bottom under that, that cluster of eggs. So right. this year I pulled my egg clutch apart, my egg cluster, and it was like the most anxiety-ridden thing I have done in a while. But I watched Bathory pretty much lay the eggs. You know, I I was watching Mm -hmm. her every day. I knew it was going to happen any day. So I came up here the other morning, and she is, like, actively laying. So I was like, I'm getting them soon. Maybe I can literally just pull them off the egg, you know, individually separate all the eggs, lay them out, and and kind of see if maybe this helps. Um, And I was like, am I going to put them on the perlite? And I decided last minute that I was going to put them on vermiculite without the gray. Okay. So that is what I'm currently doing, and I and I did. I mean, she she laid her eggs, and as she was like coiling around, I remember I was kind of getting ready for work. I came upstairs and was like, I'm gonna go ahead and pull her off of them. Um, so as soon as I did, I mean, they were already sticking. I had to just sit there and gently work my fingers around them, and I I separated the eggs. Do y'all do that? <laughs> I yeah. used to like yeah. We're 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 talking like. The first clutch I got is, like, I paid a shit ton of money to have farm-grown vermiculite shipped to me by the bag from one reptile supply company to make sure that everything was good and all this other stuff. And then I put them on the damn grid anyway, so it was, they didn't even have contact with this stuff. 
and I pulled every single egg apart, and I made sure everything was marked. Now I'm like, here's the clutch. Goes on the grate. Goes in the bin. And it's just perlite on the bottom. And I'm like, and close it up, and I'll see you in a few months. So, because yeah. uh, you're I mean, exactly what you're thinking. Like, I, I, I pulled them apart. And meticulously, and it almost looks like spider webs as you're like pulling it apart because right. of the, the the fibers. And you're all you ever have to do is once see a little bit of yolk, and you'll never pull your eggs apart again. Cause I know. I, I did I did that once, and there was I I cut one of the eggs just a little bit, and I'm like no 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 no, and I like patched it up. I I shoved a bunch of cornstarch and stuff and. All of the crap just kind of like put it back, and it actually the yolk dried, and the egg went full term and hatched. So Great. I don't know, but okay. I, I've never pulled eggs apart unless I have to, like unless the mound won't fit in the shoebox, and I have to like pull them apart to make smaller mounds. But right. it, it, no, everybody just goes in the damn box where I can't hurt you anymore. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that pull them apart, though. So that's this year. I have never done it before, ever. And this year I was like, you know, I'm pretty much watching her lay. I got them quick enough. I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And I'm sitting there, like, holding my breath the entire time I'm doing it, freaking out. And I got them apart, and I don't know if I'm going to do it if my other girls drop. I may not. I may stick them on the paralyte and the grate and just kind of see uh, you know, how that turns out. But I don't want to lose anymore. I don't really understand no. why... I'm uh, losing babies, and it's only been the past couple of years, and so I'm actually running my incubator a little bit cooler this year in hopes that maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that that has something to do with it. Maybe. I don't know. There was was an episode. The one thing I also keep trying, I mean, I know that we're talking about pulling eggs and stuff, and I know you said you saw her, like, actively laying. There was this one episode of Crocodile Hunter where I guess his retic was laying eggs, and he's sitting there, he's just pulling the eggs off as she's laying them, there have been numerous times where I've tried to, like, where I've caught a girl laying, and I've tried to, like, just intercept the eggs as they're coming out of her. And every time I touch her, I piss her off. She hisses like crazy, and I'm like, all right, never mind. So, like, you know, there's, like, I keep, I don't know if it's because the retake is huge, and he was able to maneuver a little bit better, but, uh, or I'm just that clumsy. Like, I always try to, like, (laughs) if if I catch them doing it, I'm always like, ha-ha, this will be when I'll grab the egg. Nope, nope, never works. I always piss her off. She always stops laying, and yeah, I've just gotten to the point now where I just let them do their business, and I'll deal with it when you're done. So yeah, <laughs> I've uh, switched to um, this is the first year that I'm going to be using uh, those. Um, uh, what the hell? Like the ones where you put the water the sim, in the sim containers. The sims right? containers. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I saw them. That's kind of like what I was doing anyway, so it just seemed like it was easier. Um, okay, what are they? They're like they're, a, they're it's, called... it's yeah, they're called the Sims container. And basically, what it is 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 that it has a little spot in the bottom where you can fill it up with water, and then it has these individual like it's like a tray that sits on the top, and then you put the eggs in there. You can actually, they have these little, um, like these poles that you can insert that keep the eggs, if you separate them, that keep them uh, from rolling, uh, keep yep. them like lined up all perfect. Um, you don't have to do it that way. If you keep them, they get the clutch together. You can just leave those those uh, poles come off so that you can just put the whole clutch together. Um, 
But uh, I don't know. So, but some people use, like, they'll take um, sponges and they'll put the sponges in the bottom and fill that with water so it doesn't, like, kind of slosh around. But really, it's just basically yeah. made. <clears throat> it's it's kind of like a professional version of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen people do that. Uh, I, I think Anthony Capilano used to do it where they used to just basically take that uh, egg or the light grating and they sort of would mm-hmm. use, like, a, maybe a two-ounce cup. As like a, as a um, to hold hold up that grating and to put it above the water. This is like a professional version of that. Yeah. yeah. Chris did that with his cobras, and that was delightful. But um, the, <laughs> never again. But uh, the sim contain. I've heard good things about the sims containers, and those poles are really good for like geckos and monitor eggs. That when those things plump up. They are round as hell, and it's hard to not – like, those things will roll if you look at them. So, I mean, snake eggs kind of sit there. Like, they're like marshmallows. Your um, yeah. <laughs> monitor eggs just roll around. So, it's to prevent the rolling. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll let you know how it uh, works out. But Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. It just seemed like why not – why not do it that sure. way? Since, you know. Try it out. I'm making a, uh, a, a fake version of it as it is. So, um, The one question I did have, I was curious um, that I sort of forgot about when we're going back. I was curious on, actually, I guess both of your thoughts, but we'll start with you, Charlotte. Is um, You know, every time that I look at a carpet python in the wild, it seems like they've eaten these huge meals. And um, it just seems that... Um, you know, I was reading this paper and it was talking about how IJs are eating bandicoots, which is a pretty Jesus. big, <laughs> it's pretty oh. big, you know. And we're talking like, uh, you know, IJs were looking at what, f- I think, what he had written down for the animals that he, you're looking at the females, the smallest female he found was 4.82 feet and the uh, smallest male was 3 feet. Um that's a pretty large meal for something like that. Mm-hmm. So do you think that like maybe a good strategy, this is something that I've been thinking about is that feeding larger meals less often. Do you think that that, uh, have you ever thought about well, that? Yeah. But... Um, I have, I've actually been thinking a lot about changing up the way that I feed. Uh, I used to feed heavy, <laughs> Um, this was years ago, you know, I was like, oh, feed a rat every week, um, even the big ones to the, the adults. I, I don't do that anymore. Um, actually, kind of like the whole smaller meal, more frequent idea. Um, and I know that's what, like, Derek goes for the blackheads and stuff. He and I have been talking a lot about the, the blackheads and feeding them. And I kind of like the idea even for the, the carpets. Um, I, I'm one of those that believes you can't you can't really compare the way we keep them into the wild. You know, there's a lot of factors there. Um, sure. Whether it be they're they're constantly cruising, you know, they can move, whereas here they're in cages. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they're going to eat what they can in the wild versus here where, you know, rain or just falls from the sky, food does. So right. it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, actually, it's a big different situation. I, I don't know about how, because, you know, a lot of times when they're in their cages, they're not going to be as active as, as the wild animal, of course. Um, so that food just kind of sits in their gut. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I I'm kind of would want to stick more with the smaller, more frequent meals than the larger meals, but I've done both. I, I've done both, and I've never really noticed, I guess, anything that kind of stands out as this one's better than the others is what you should do in captivity versus, you know, what they can do. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. I would say, though, just I think that I'm going to start going the route of more frequent, smaller meals um, as opposed to one big meal that, you know, takes them a lot longer time to break down and, and go through. So, I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Okay. What about you, Owen? What do you think? I, I've fed big meals. I've done the entire thing of, you know, just, <clears throat> you know, the larger meal sporadically or less often. Uh, my boys, the worst thing they could ever do is become a proven breeding male for me because then, like, the food <laughs> just shuts off. Cause it's like, you peaked. You don't need to go any further. You'll get a rat when I decide it. So, you know, and that's kind of – it kind of sucks for them. But uh, – my girls, I will feed a little bit heavier, especially because they tend to go off food for longer. And, you know, with the egg production, it tends, like, dude, the the second you pull a female off the eggs, you're like, oh, my God, I've killed you. So it's, I kind of try to soften that as best I can by feeding them during the off season. And it still comes out with the, holy crap, here, eat, you're going to die. So, um it just kind of is the way to deal with that. Uh, I do feed larger meals. I mean, you and I have talked about a medium rat to you is not a medium rat to me. So uh, it's the way it goes. I got those jumbo rats kicking around here somewhere that I got to start thawing out and feeding the creature critters. So, yeah, I guess my thought was is that, like, especially for females, and I think I've talked about this on the show, it's like going into breeding, like, I guess my Beat heavy. My, my thing would be, like, uh, so coming out of breeding season, I'd feed them normal, but more of a, 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 a like a, like a schedule, like, even if it's every right. five days, every seven days, whatever it would be, and then sort right. of going off for a little bit. And then right around the summertime, feeding them, uh, you know, I talked about this, like maybe giving them rabbits, like small rabbits or something like that, just females in particular, um, right. to try to get them into, to have those reserves. Um, and then right before cool down, sort of back off again. Um, and then, you know, because basically from November until February, I don't feed at all. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So that could be the difference. I just, I don't know. It just seems like every time I read a paper, and I know there's a difference between, you know, the wild and, um, you know, what we're doing in captivity. But, um, you know, I think a carpet is definitely different than a blackhead. I think a blackhead has a higher metabolism. Uh, so right. I think that, that they're geared to sort, they're almost like uh at least my experience anyway. with them is they want to eat, 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 keep eating. It's funny that you mentioned the shift because I did the same thing with the scrubs. They got chicken all year, and then uh-huh. right before breeding season, I gave them some rodents. Because, I mean, the scrubs, I wanted to keep that lean body, so I've been yeah. giving them, like, larger birds. And then right, right around summertime I started giving them rats and 
my girl put on some pounds, and I'm kind of hoping she does something, but the male is such an ass. So, uh, I don't know. So, but, it, it, hey, it could work. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, – I didn't realize how how late it is already. Man, this show's going by quick. <laughs> but um, I was uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know carpet python morphs and and uh, you know the the carpet python market, all that kind of stuff. So I heard you say at the beginning of the well somewhere in the show that you were moving more towards uh, not getting involved with morphs and staying more along the lines of just uh, selectively breeding. Uh, you know, pure subspecies. Is that is that your your plan? Or are you gonna you don't like what the I'm morphs? Like... You don't like the drama? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's a, there, that's like a really broad subject. Um, it is. Okay, I, I like uh, I, I love the jungles. That's kind of what I'm mainly focusing on. And um, maybe one of these days get back into the diamond jungles and the tigers. But as of right now, that's what I've got going on. And so I do like the morphs that occur with the jungles. Um, like I like the the zebra, of course. That's what I want to do this year. And I want to um, – I have jags that are ocelot. Right. That just okay. kind of happens to me. <laughs> um, in fact, Bill has one one that I produce that's an ocelot. Um, yeah. I got a male, and he did not show any ocelot anything, and he produced ocelot. So – I, I do produce some that have offset markings, and um, I, when I was going through my, I don't want to do morphs anymore. I sold too many of them. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. And then I was going to keep my mail, and then when my my reptile room overheated uh, two years ago, um, mm. it sent my mail into a just neurological spiral down. Uh, um, he was good. one that got affected by the overheating and it just triggered his neuro and um, he ended up dying. So that broke my heart and then I kept what I had left. So I, I do have some left. Um, nice. Bars. Uh, there's a, quite a handful of people out there that, that have some. I hope to put those into a project with zebras. I'm liking mm-hmm. the zebra ocelot jags. I think they look pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and I think that some of my jags, which are real, really nice and bright and clean, with some zebras that come out, hopefully bright and nice and clean, uh, will produce some nice ocelot zebra jags. But cool. The my my whole thing is the morph. E- it can easily get like the ball python world with the carpets with the morphs. It's getting a little crazy out there sometimes. Um, you know, it's like you've got your super zebras and you've got your granite caramels, this and that. And, and, and a lot of times I'll look at these animals and I'll be like, cool, that's cool. That's a really pretty animal. Do I want to produce them? Eh. Personally, not really. It's not something that, that excites me. The zebras do, like I said, the jacks do. But right. um, some of this other stuff out there, I'm just like, you know, whoa, whoa, it's getting crazy. And I, and I have fun watching other people come up with all these morphs and try to find the next hottest thing and watch the prices get inflated and then watch the prices drop and then, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Sure. It, it's it's fun, you know, it's fun to sit back and watch, but as far as me and what I want to do, um, it's not really, a, I guess, a priority. Okay. Some are. Those two, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I had the grant, <laughs> I had a little side project that I wanted to do and I ended up selling that project before I even produced anything. Um just because it didn't excite me, there were other things I needed, like upgraded caging and you know more jungles and stuff like that. So, I don't do know. you 
as far as the zebra, do you have plans as, as far as the super zebra, or are you just content with the actual zebra itself? Um, I like the zebra. I think the super zebra is cool. Um, I'm not totally floored by them. Granted, I've never seen one in person. Um, right. I've seen photos of them, and they're they're really cool, and I think it would be cool to produce them. I can see myself producing them, maybe keeping one and selling them. Um, you know, hopefully to not in a couple of years later be like, why did I sell it? But, uh, you know, I, they're, they're, they're cool. But when we start doing things like, you know, super zebra jaguars, then I'm like, what? But, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just that. That doesn't really excite me, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's each their own. It's just me personally. Super Zebra may be in the future, but it's not something that's like I'm really focused on the goal of, of producing a Super Zebra. Right. Yeah, it would seem They're almost cool, like like people that like the Zebra is because of the pattern. And then exactly. the Super Zebra takes away that, everything they it like It takes about. away that. I know, and I love the black in the jungles. You know, the blacker, the the better. And it's, you take all that away. Just like yeah. the albinos. I, I think they're really cool, but I like the contrast. I like, you know, I like the colors. And when we start stripping that tape away, it produces, you know, yeah, it's a cool animal, but take away what I love so much about the species. That's because you haven't seen my tiger albinos yet. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I haven't. Um, and that does sound very interesting. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I mean, the, I think that uh, you know, some people are into the uh, to morph. Some people are not. Some people focus on one, you know, one particular thing, and you know, they they usually end up doing that very well. You know, because you're you have a focus. Um, so is there any one that you would, that catches your eye that like you'd say down the road, man, I would, I would, if I had the room and everything, I would add that in. Even if Are it's you in Australia. Um, well, gosh, in Australia, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that... the only thing that really catches me when you say that actually is not really at all. I would love to get into some of the, um, entries of like localities, of the Stimpsons uh, pythons and stuff, those are really uh, awesome. Like the wheat belt Stimpsons or yeah, whatever. The weedies, that's what I want is the wheat belts. And, it, and yeah. it's like if people here are producing, you know, really nice ones. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not that. But like that's one I want. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> you're close, right. but, yeah. Uh, but as far as morphs, I'm really liking the stuff that Hesh posts occasionally. Um, uh, I love the like the ghost zebras and the exantic zebras are pretty cool looking. I, I will have to say that. Um, yeah. Of course, you know that's starting to mix different blood into it, which is fine. I'm not one of those. It's like you know you shouldn't do that. I don't really care. But but other than that, um, really the only thing I guess future down the road that I'm really excited about doing is ocelot zebras, jags. Other than that, I'm just kind of watching everybody else do cool things. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> is there that? <laughs> is there a specific um, subspecies that maybe you would want to uh, add into the group? Um. Well, like I said, I think that I would just have to get back into the diamond jungles again. I keep going back and forth with those. Um, I like the diamond jungle zebra jags. I don't, I don't seem to be, I guess, expanding outside of that right now. Um, I, got I like those. But but uh, other than that, I mean, not so much. I'm really excited about trying something new with the with the Wilmers and Blackheads. I think I might go more that route I than expanding the carpet. Yeah. 
Okay. Even though cool. those uh, salt and pepper ones that are coming up, I think y'all are talking about that in the next show. I I kill for those. I'd oh yeah, no, those are pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would take Eric out to the woods and shoot him dead for those. Yes, yeah. those Let's are let everybody really know. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I I think some of the cool stuff that's uh, that they have in Australia, you'll probably see more and more uh, morphs and you know cool things pop out. But uh, they're definitely uh, they're on the uh, the long what would you call it the long term wish list, I guess. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So they they went eventually they swim here wish list. So. <laughs> the portal in Germany, Woo! and they're gone. Yep. <laughs> Um, what about your thoughts on, uh, the carpet python market? You know, what, what do you think? Do you think you see more people wanting to get interested in carpets or, um, from my side of the carpet python market, um, I think it's absolutely, uh, there's a lot of people interested in it now. Um, I think it's booming now, you know, I'm, I'm definitely small scale, you know, I'm not producing all these animals and going to all these shows with, you know, my endless number of morphs and, and stuff. So, I mean, I, I really can't speak from, I guess, that perspective. But there's a lot of people that are getting into it now, and there's a lot of lines out there. Um, and, and a lot of them are all, you know, similar. And uh, it's, I mean, I, I, to me, it seems like it's going, it's pretty booming right now. I mean, there's a lot of people producing really nice, jungles and and uh morphs and there's constantly stuff coming from canada and you know germany and all that kind of stuff i mean it seems pretty pretty hopping right now at least yeah. from my perspective sure absolutely yeah. um what about as far as i like to get this uh you know perspective as far as getting one of the things that i think causes the drama at least I think that 2015 was a rough year for carpet pythons. <laughs> well, the breeders, I should say. Um, seemed like there was a lot of drama and pricing and overproducing and you know, just everybody was at each other's throats. And you had these different groups go and it sort of fractured out. And if you like this person, you didn't like that person, that kind of thing. Um, do you, do you, the thing that I would always argue is, is that the idea is to sort of grow the carpet python market rather than, you know, talking about, because we're just, it seems like at that point we're just basically selling to each other rather than trying right. to get people educated people. about carpet pythons, you know, because uh, it can be a little overwhelming when you're just coming into it. you got different subspecies. Each subspecies has different morphs. Some people cross them things and you have crosses and some localities and, you know, it goes on and on. It can be overwhelming. Um, any thoughts on, you know, what we could do or maybe what you do to sort of get that non-carpet python group to grow and get them into carpets? Um, hmm. Uh, not really. First of all, okay, the reason I say that is because I'm like sitting on the sidelines over here eating my popcorn watching the drama. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't really. That's kind of what I do. I, you know, I go up right. in my attic and I I play with my snakes and I go to a couple shows and I, I sit back and kind of watch the drama unfold on the internet. And in you. my perspective, there's drama in every group. You got your ball yeah, python drama. You got your chondro people just get so upset. 
Oh, my God. You know, then you have your BOA people with their whole drama. And it's just in the carpet. The carpet industry has become that way, too. Um, it's different groups and everything. I don't know. Uh, and I'm I'm just over here like, yay, I produced the Clutch Eggs this season. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, babies, let's candle them again. Um, you know, that's kind of... <laughs> That's, that's kind of what, what I do. So I, I don't know. I guess I can't really speak on the whole um, thing. It, it's hard to get – well, okay, there's there's two sides of this, I guess I could say. It's hard to get local people more interested in carpets. Now, I say that, yet there are a bunch of local people now in the carpets. Um, and I hate saying because of me because it sounds so, um, I guess, arrogant – but there, there lately there has been because you know I'll, I'll post on local classified ads and it's something that's different than ball pythons and corn snakes you know and people are like oh what is this and they get a carpet and then they get another carpet and then they get another carpet and suddenly they're on Facebook right. and they're friending me and they're seeing these other people and next thing I know you know I'm sitting here like yeah I'm gonna sell my 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 CVR shoe at one it's like and this person has you know the same animal <laughs> this person does this person does and, it's like, okay, cool. You know, like I, there's a lot of local people that have got into carpets and that, that own a lot of the carpets that I've produced. And that's that's awesome. Um, I think that, you know, it's really cool that, that that's happening. There is a flip side to that, though. It's not enough. I mean, there, I go to a lot of the little local shows around here, and mm-hmm. I set up a table, and I get people walk by my table all the time. They're like, oh, what kind of ball python is that? And I'm yeah, just like, <laughs> this one, this one they throwing things. Yes, I, I really can't tell you how many times I would take my jags out. People were like, "Whoa, what kind of all python morph is that?" And I'm like, "Really?" I mean, you know. And then you, you, that's when you try to educate, and people are like, "Oh, okay, you know, that's cool." And I try to get that out there. I mean, a lot of times, yes. Or what was the worst that one of the last shows was? This guy was like, "Oh man, I've seen your table here before. It's awesome." And we're talking and talking about carpets and he's so excited and he goes to the person next to me that's the buy sell trade guy and buys the no. table off his table. No. And I was just like, Oh my heart hurts over that one. I guess Ouch. he wanted a bigger snake and, and the guy next to me was, you know, one of the flipper. He he had a table full of every species you could think of. And he ended up buying a big coastal looking you know, carpet off of his table. Well, at least he didn't, like, walk it back to you and be like, can you sex this for me? Cause yeah, then that's true. It's like, because yeah, that, that happens all the time. Or it's yeah. like, hey, I bought this jungle. Is it a good jungle? No, it's crap. Get out of here, <laughs> you. So, you know, there's there's certain things that, you know, happen a lot at reptile shows. And, like, you said you've been to, like, you... You, you said you've had, like, your local shows, smaller shows? Yes. Like, the Dixie what, Reptile you, Show. Okay. Dixie I mean, Reptile Show is a, a local kinda... show. Good. Okay. No, 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 that's just, yeah, it's a local right. show that I've been going to. Do you do anything and, to um, kind of, like, stand out? I mean, like, if you bring the adults? Okay. Yes. I bring my adults. Um, my my business name is Ultraviolet Reptile, so I have this, like, violet bedding that I have so I have this black tablecloth and I put this violet bedding and this black and yellow on it and I just light the whole table up and um I do bring my adults. Uh that's a lot of times what people stop and see and um <laughs> Stella I usually take her 
a lot of people want to take pictures of her, ask questions, and that's when they see the babies because a lot of times, you know, the babies are not very bright. They're not very eye-catching. You need something there that makes people be like, oh, wow, you know, that's how big they get and the colors yeah. that can really come out over time. So that's that's what I try to do um, is really have something. And, and I I guess it does kind of stand out because it's there's no really other local carpet person that does come to the shows that sets up. Um, I did go to the Dixie Show in Atlanta, uh, that was this um, last year, and uh, there was one other person that had some really nice, like, tiger um, and coastal carpets. And you could tell he had, like, one or two clutches on his table, and I went down and talked to him, and it was cool seeing someone else there. But other than that, it's, you know, a lot of ball pythons. Ball pythons as far as the eye can see, and um, occasionally you have some little groups mixed in that. And I'm one of the few carpet people there, um, so... Yeah, it does kind of stand out just that I have something different. But a lot of people walk by and I'm like, "Oh, they're too mean." I'm like, "They're not mean. <laughs> they're just, you know, hungry." <laughs> and Stella's uh, they're there. striking the glass. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. See, there's the problem. Yeah, huh. but, why don't bring my with me? Um, do you have any tips for somebody who's gonna start doing shows, like who's just kind of starting to breed and might want to get into the whole reptile? show community or world? Yeah, there's really one. Um, and that's you've got to engage your customers. I mean, you're. Yep. I, I've worked in retail a lot of my life. Um, I've only ever worked with animals. I've worked in vet clinics <clears throat> and retail. And um, right now I, I'm a dog groomer. <laughs> but uh, but I, I've, I've worked in retail long enough to know, I mean, it's it's a customer. You, you want to engage with people. You don't want to be that person that sits behind the table on their cell phone the whole time or something, you know, you want to stand up, you don't want to just sit there the whole time and, and really engage people and talk. And, and I, and I think that when people see your passion and how much you love the animals, that's when they're going to be drawn to you. And that's not always the case. You know, a lot of the shows that I go to in here in Alabama, there's a lot of, uh, wild caught dealers that have, you know, like every animal on their table, you got a bucket of iguanas and a, you know, so on and so forth, and that's what a lot of the new people are drawn to. Um, but occasionally you find that, that person that really comes out, or I've had people come to the show and be like, I came just to find your table. And it's like, oh, man, that means the world. Like that one person just kind of makes my day. But oh, you, you, you. Have to, <laughs> you have to engage with people. Um, I have been to reptile shows, big and small. I need to go to more. I want to go to Tinley so bad. Yes. Um I want to be on carpet row. I want to meet all these people. <laughs> but um, I, I, I've just been to big shows and I've talked to big names before and nothing makes me feel uh, worse than when you're trying to talk to someone and they're sitting there on their cell phone and they're like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. Like, screw you, man. You just lost yourself a customer. Like, you don't, you don't do that. So, yeah, that's really the only thing that I would recommend to anyone who's like, hey, I want to start going to a show and and, you know, seeing if I can sell some animals and talk to people about them, it's like you've got to, you've got to engage. Your table's got to look nice, yes, but it's it's really you. You know, you're the one that knows the animals and is selling selling the animals. So. Yeah, uh, I would agree, and I think you can go to great lengths to try to engage people. I mean, I remember one of the first shows I met Howard Redding on uh, at was because he came out from behind his table and tied a balloon onto my wrist and said, you know, now you have a balloon and you can be happy. And, uh, 
And then he was like, come over here and talk carpet pythons. And I'm like, who the hell are you? And, oh, I got a balloon. So, you know, it was kind of sometimes you got to go over there. So yep. it, it, it's the, the thing to engage people. And that's, I hate, I, I usually try never to look at my phone at a show. And I hate it when people are like, I never bring a chair to a reptile show because I hate it when people are sitting down and got their head on the table or not doing anything. Yep. I have these mats that go behind my table that are like those special pressure mats so like you can stand on them and right. like hours on end. I love them. But definitely got to engage. Yeah, so. that's really the only thing that, that I would say. And there's times where, you know, people will just be kind of walking by and I'm always like, hi, hi. <laughs> Of course, they're gorgeous. I mean, and also, I could, 
I can sit here and go, you know what? They have the albinos, and if you start crossing and mixing, what would that look like? Now, no, 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 no more blackheads. Yeah. So, all right. Now, if you could go herping anywhere in the world without limitations of law and all, blah, 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 where would you go, and what would you be hoping to see? I would go to Australia, of course, and that seems like of some bland comments, like, but that's where I would go. <laughs> Oh, but, you know, yeah. I would go to Australia, and I would want to see the blackheads. I'd want to see the woman, <laughs> and I'd want to see some Australian frill dragons. Those things are freaking awesome. <laughs> yes. The big red Australian frill dragons, they're so oh, cool. Yeah. And, and then the, you, just, it's endless. The the Stimpsons, you know, go play in the wheat belts and find them and just <laughs> everything. Go play with a wombat. I mean, you just, I, I can wombat. get lost in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> purposely piss off a frill lizard just so we can like pop out the frill. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. No, it's cool. cool. That that's that's where I'd want to I'd want to go. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? And is there like a wait list for some of your babies that people should contact you for? Um I, I don't do the whole wait list thing. I have had people be like, you know, oh, get me on the list. I'm like, I don't have a list. That's going to jinx me right there. Like, I just feel it. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, I, I am on Facebook. I have my Ultraviolet Reptiles page. Um, I have my other, I guess, personal page. Um, I don't post much, but I do get on there often. I mainly have a Facebook account to keep in touch with the reptile world. That's really why I have one. Um, but I... I yeah. So that's kind of what I'm on Facebook. I do have um, a website, and I'm a little embarrassed about mentioning it because it is embarrassingly uh, outdated. I, I, I think it's on there like, contact me about my brittles, and I'm like, don't have those anymore. Um, oh. However, oh, my email it, it is still linked. Of, it, it said pairings of 2013, so it is a little out of date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get really... <laughs> I get really bored with that kind of thing, you know. Maybe, maybe if I hadn't, then I would be making more money than I do now. If I was like all tech savvy, and it'd be, yeah, I, I. However, my email is still linked there. Like, there's times where I'll take my card, and my card has my my website address on the bottom, and I'm almost like, don't you know what? Just don't even. You don't have to look around it. You can contact me through it. It's <laughs> really embarrassing. Yeah. But it's there, and I can be contacted through there. I can be contacted on the what is now just countless classifieds page, apparently, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It's um starting to get a little silly, but a little, little bit. So, I so think I'm that's on there. Biggest, I can be found. That's my biggest complaint about Facebook is that it's so fragmented that like back in the MP days, it was like everybody was in one spot and now it's like you know i i i found this new group called carpet pythons and i'm posting in there and i don't know any of the people in there and they don't know like <laughs> morelia python radio or anything like that i'm like what, what the, the hell, hell? yeah <laughs> who are you and i'm thinking are they from australia nope yeah. are they from like europe nope they're from the u.s and like it's just like this section of people that like just they're in their own little world doing their own little it's thing like finding, you know and they have it's finding hidden tribes in the jungle it's like where have you people been for the past <laughs> yeah 
And they're and they say the same thing. They're like, "Well, who the hell are you?" And I'm like, um, oh, no. "I'm well, Eric maybe. Burke. I'm kind of a big deal." So. No, it's not, it's not. I don't mean like that. I just mean like <laughs> you're you're such an ass. <laughs> no more talking. Uh, I'm, I'm good now. Well, I was actually going to mention the NP forums. Um, that that just kind of I guess disintegrated. It seems. Yeah. A lot yeah. of did. Which is that we had that, and then it just kind of tittled away, and now it does seem mm-hmm. like it's Facebook, and that's really the only that, but yeah, that's kind of how I keep in touch with everybody, what's going on, because I need to start coming around to all the shows. I need to be on Carpet Row. I need to go yeah. to Carpet Fest because you guys apparently get really crazy. I followed those oh, yeah. well. time, <laughs> even with all the photos and stuff. They're <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Oh. West Coast Carpet Fest gets a little bit more crazy. I'm pretty sure one carpet fest they're going to kill Nick. I don't know how, but they're going to end up killing him. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't go that far. So we just get definitely got to make it up there. <laughs> I just get dumb drunk and spill enough drinks on my own carpet to freak out later. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, remember just, a picture of Eric. Was it Eric where you, you were asleep in your car? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah, that picture. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was hiding from me. See, <laughs> I don't know if you heard the story behind that, but actually what had happened is is that I've been drinking all day, and I was drinking <laughs> these, like, 10% uh, by a, uh, beers, and... um. They just kept feeding them to me, and I think that was that was that was the same day that somebody uh, I remember like three people trying to teach me how to eat a crab, and I just like right. ate the shell and the lungs, and, like, and like, I just like ate it eat. all. And I'm like, I knew how to eat a crab. I just was listening to the, you know what I mean. They're like, no, we're from Maryland. We know how to eat a crab. And then the next thing I know, we're doing the auction, and it seemed like every year, as soon as we get to the auction, like, everything catches up with me, and I would just be like, Owen, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, I'm going to throw up. What the hell am I supposed to do about this? I'm like, I'm just going to, like, slowly, I remember sitting there at Howard's kitchen table thing, and I just, like, slowly... Sneak away. You ever see a picture of Homer Simpson where he sneaks away. into the bushes? <laughs> that was me Holy into the car. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing Owen, knowing Owen and his shenanigans, I was smart enough, <laughs> even in this drunken stupor, Lock to lock himself the in the car. Bastard. Because he would have, like, shaved my eyebrow. Yeah. It would have been so much fun. Locked himself in the car. Jerk. Oh, man. Yeah, so. Yep. And then I woke up and had salmon vodka. So, yeah, life is good. <laughs> salmon vodka. <laughs> that is horrible. Anyway. So, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> definitely got definitely to make it out for some of those because as, as bad as Carpet Fest is, fun-wise, uh, Tinley is even more fun. So, and yeah, that's, like, that's what I that's really like, want to go to. That's like three days of reptile show, and then you drink with your friends after you're done with the reptile show. Or, like us, while you're setting up, you start drinking. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, 
fun all around. Is it mainly October that everyone goes to, or do they go to the, both of them? March is – people go to March, but not as many, and March is kind of small. Like, they cut the showroom in half. So, But March okay. is still a good show. It's still a really good show, and I wish that they would get – like, they would open up the room and it would be as big, because I, I would do Tin League twice a year. But October is the one that if you got to pick one Tin League show to go to, just go to October. Everybody well, I'm going to try to there. be there. That's the yeah. biggest one, so – from what I heard, yep. the the foot traffic is still the same. Like a lot of people um, it, don't go packed. to March show, um, but like a lot of breeders don't go. But the foot traffic is still the same. Which is, if you're a, a, a you know, particularly if you're going to sell something that nobody else has, you know, I mean, you're going to find a lot of ball pythons at Tinley Park for sure. But yep. carpet pythons, you know. Definitely, you'll find them at Carpet Row in October, but maybe in March. They don't even do. They don't even do a Carpet <coughs> Row in March. No. So that's not why I, I think I'm going to start doing both. And this year I'm not, but <coughs> next year I think I'm going to do both. Cool. I'll send you with babies to March, but I'll go with you in October. Ah, that's nice. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. It definitely is. It's definitely a cool time. There's a lot of the who's who of reptile people, and basically everybody that's, you know, really like, um, I, there's tons of, even if they're not set up and doing a show, tons of carpet people still come through there, you know? Yeah. And, right. Uh, so. Yeah. There's usually always like three or four people hiding behind a table that have nothing to do with the table. And it's like, you know, oh, well, hi, what are you doing here? So yeah. it, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah. So. It's cool. a great show to make poor decisions like by Diamond Python. So. <laughs> well, I'd like to be at the one in October this year, and hopefully I'll have some zebras on my table. There you go. There you go. At least I like to think that way. <laughs> cool. Good way to think. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to hit on or put out there? or? I, don't think, I think I'm good. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, it's uh, been awesome chatting with you, and uh, hopefully we uh, will see you in October. And yeah, uh, awesome. yeah with your zebras. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is the year that I'm uh, upping my jungle collection, so I'm going to be watching your uh, your page um, <laughs> on it. Yeah, on do it, that. That would be on great. On daily. So, um, good luck. Hopefully, uh, you get your zebras and. You know, you have a good season, so. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for having me on the show. It was fun. Definitely. Absolutely. All right, have a good night. All right, All right you too. Thanks, Charlotte. All right, bye. Bye. All right. Let's see. Yeah, I didn't realize how fast the... Uh... See what happens when you take the week off? <laughs> I know, jeez. Your timing gets thrown off. You don't know what's happening. It was weird again to be like, you know, I, I remember. Night. <laughs> yeah, it was Tuesday night. We went to Magic Kingdom. We took my niece and my nephew, and right. we're racing to go see these fireworks go off. And um, you know, I'm like, my phone beeps, and it's like, boop, showtime. And I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, oh god, it, I have to freak it out. Run down an alleyway. <laughs> I, I hope everything is okay. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Of course it was. Rob was 
running. Rob was running everything. Everything was fine. I just had to be there. Yeah. You know? Then I remembered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, Rob thank God. That moron shot in charge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah. Uh, but uh, next week, yes, as Charlotte said, we have uh, a show that has been much anticipated by myself for probably close to a year and a half, and you. But, oh. um, I've been and trying to get... To some freaking Tinley, dude. <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? Um, I've been trying to get uh, Mr. Whitaker to uh, come and join us on um, Morelli Python Radio, uh, specifically to talk about the Silver Pepper Inlands. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, he wanted to make sure that um, he did finally prove it out to be recessive. Uh, it's proven. Did. Get on here. No. <laughs> so uh, he'll be joining us next week. Um, he's an awesome guy. Uh, yeah, tons of fun. To <laughs> Sarcastic, uh, quick-witted, uh, you know, and all around a smart guy when it comes to reptiles. Uh, he not only keeps, you know, carpets, he has crazy striped gelatin jungles. Um, yeah. Of course, he keeps, you know, scrubbies, as he calls them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was and he, he was torturing me at Tinley. He's like, oh, yeah, I just sold this one rough scale female because there's a kink in its tail. $200. I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> like, just, I, know, <laughs> I know he also has my favorite, uh, Imbricata. Imbricata. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be rubbing he my face in that. We want. <laughs> rough scales yeah. in your face. It's going to be just yeah. a time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but this will be one of those uh, morph episodes to where you know we talk about um, you know the history behind uh, the silver peppers and you know how they came where to they be, came. yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. So should be a great show. Ooh. Sure, I'm curious to know about how he because I know they do a lot of like crossing of bread lie and jags and inlands and uh, I'm curious like how they get that to happen with the uh, change or the different breeding you know some one's a spring breeder one's a winter breeder right right I'm interested to hear about the the cage regulations because I was talking to Peter Birch those cage regulations over in Australia are insane with Mm. how much space you have to have per animal. And for something like the size of an inland, like how big do those cages have to be? Yeah. Well, I know that's pretty strict in uh, Germany as well. Yeah. I don't know Europe, but I know Germany in particular is pretty uh, pretty strict yeah. with that. Uh, so. so there you go. Um, let's see. And then the week after that, I believe it's you and me. And, Sweet. Um, I think the week after that, we're going to be talking with Scott about Venomous. So, nice. So there should be some uh, some cool shows lined up for sure. Uh, for uh, Morelli Python Radio, um, if you uh, want to learn more about Morelia or you like the podcast and want to check out uh, more about it, go to MoreliaPythonRadio.com. If you have any questions or comments, about the show, future guests, anything like that. Send them to info at 
MoreliaPythonRadio dot com. If you have any hate mail or stuff like that, send it to Owen at MoreliaPythonRadio dot com. <laughs> yeah, I, I still can't open that email address. So whatever, go ahead, send it. Yeah, send it. <laughs> exactly. We won't say it. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page, which is uh, Morelia Python Radio. Give us a like. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Morelia Python. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, um, and help us spread the word uh, for carpet pythons and the breeders that come in and give their time by sharing the shows around. Um, we appreciate it as well as the breeder, and uh, maybe I'll give them a little bump in people coming and checking out their page and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's that. E.B. Morelia, you can check out my website at ebmorelia.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to eric at ebmorelia.com. Now that we're almost in March, I don't know, maybe I'm getting cocky uh, because mm-hmm. we do get snow in March, but uh, hopefully pretty soon, uh, you know, shipping will open up a little bit and, um, you know, we can get things going. So, I'm going to start taking some pictures of uh, available offspring and try to uh, to get that up there. So be looking for that. Um, if there's something that you particularly are interested in that you think that I have or may want as far as uh, caramel zebra stuff, caramel zebra jags, head albino stuff, zebra jags, head albino, stuff like that, um, and you're going to be at Hamburg, let me know, and I can have it delivered to you, because um, I unfortunately can't go to Hamburg, because <laughs> work sucks. <laughs> but Work uh, does suck. That's the only way I can pay for my Morelia habit. Um, so, <laughs> um, And as far as my uh, social media for EB Morelia, check out me. I'm on uh Facebook, uh, Facebook page, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So, uh, And hopefully real soon I'm going to get my YouTube stuff up and going. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and that's all I got. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com or rogue-reptiles on Facebook.com. Give us a like. Uh, this weekend, Saturday, is Hamburg. Uh, please come out, check out the table. We have new spiffy and shiny acrylic displays that I have not broken with a pair of pliers myself because I locked my keys out. So I know, come see the new acrylics before I do something wrong and break them too. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so that'll be cool. Uh, I know Howard Redding will be at the show. Jason Balin will be at the show. Eric Kohler will be at the show. Um, it's going to be a really good show. It's especially Matt good Minnesota. show Matt Minnesota. Right, right. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Um, Matt Minnesota will be at the show. He's actually right behind me, so it's a really cool show to be at. Um, come, say hi, hang out, talk carpet. Uh it's going to be really cool. I will pressure you into buying things by showing off my very pretty animals. Uh, as far as the season goes, we don't have anything yet, and I refuse to take names on anything that isn't already on the ground. 
So, but if you are interested and want to be notified of when eggs hit the ground, uh, you can let us know. Uh, so far, what we might have cooking this year is Super Caramel Jag, Super Caramel Tiger Jag, Super Caramel Tiger, maybe? Uh, caramel Tigers, Caramel Jags, uh, Caramel Tiger Jags, High Con Tigers, uh, Jags Head Granite, blah, 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 lots of stuff. Bread Lie, fun things. So stay tuned. Check out the Facebook page as well as the website for updates on those things. That's all I got for everybody, and that's all we have for you uh, this week. So please come back next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night, everyone. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Jock. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Marklin and I created the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.